<clears throat> Excuse me, we are on air. Uh, this is Monday night, August the 29th, and it is time for Fan for Racing Radio and our Daytona Milwaukee NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Joining me for tonight's show is our co host for tonight, Sal Sagawa. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, good evening, Sharon. Thank you. It's good to have you here. Uh, We're going to start in our first half hour with some short track news, and uh, on the other side of that, we're going to review the Arkham Menard Series, the Arkham East, and the Sioux Chief Showdown, one race, three series, three-point paying event, uh, one event for three-point paying series at the Milwaukee Mile uh, this past weekend, and then we'll also give you a quick update on the Arkham West Series. At 9 o'clock, we're going to offer some updates from the NASCAR Truck Series. They're on break right now, uh, but we'll let you know when their next race is coming up. And afterward, we're going to review the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Daytona International Speedway, a race that was full of surprises. So uh, looking forward to that. Then at 9.30, Sal, we have a guest coming on board, Southern California late model and legends driver, uh, Sean, and do you know how to pronounce his last name? Yeah, um, Ingarani. Ingarani, okay. He's with Ingarani. 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 Okay. He's with Okay, got it. Nassim Mento Motorsports. And afterward, we're going to review the NASCAR Cup Series finale out at Daytona, another big surprise in that race. So we've got a lot to talk about tonight, Sal. Uh, We're going to end the episode with our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off conversation with our Fan for Racing crew tonight. All right, with that, um, let's go ahead and get started with some short track news. Uh, You know, Dale Jr. is going to be racing out at North Wilkesboro uh, Speedway and uh, it's happening very, very soon. He's racing Tuesday and Wednesday this week, midweek racing out at North Wilkesboro. That's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, he'll be out there for the for the cars tour, actually, is what it is. It's a mm-hmm. tour that uh, you get, you'll see a lot of the um, uh, – you'll see, like, Sammy Smith will hit, hit it sometime. Chandler Smith used to hit it before. Um, Simon Jeske, Bubba Pollard. Um, mostly Cole, Cole Butcher, who actually won the Oxford 250 this weekend, also um, probably be out there. But uh, yeah, North North Oaks on the car strip put on a really good uh, put on a really good uh, program yeah. out there. And it is a huge entry list for this uh, race uh, when you think about. Uh, uh, you know, the fact that Dale Jr. is going to be racing in that race. Uh, there's, let's see, how many people do I see here? There's uh, five. Corey Himes on this list. Connor Mosak's on the list. Mason Diaz. Stefan Parsons. Chad McCombie. Caden Honeycutt. Uh, Carson Quapel. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., of course. Uh, is on the, also on this list. So there's quite a few people. I think I counted about uh, maybe 30 or more people that are on the entry list, and it's going to be an exciting race. So, again, uh, that's 30th and the 31st 
and uh, you're going to be able to watch it over at Racing America, but it is a pay-per-view event. So if you want to watch this one, there's a little extra that you're going to pay for it, Um, but uh, I think it's going to be well worth it. Coverage begins at 5 o'clock both Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, yeah, it'll definitely be worth watching. It'll be a good, uh, good, good race, good, uh, great model race. Uh, uh, once again, you know, North, North, North Wilkes, North Wilkesboro track. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something people have been waiting for for a long time. So it's kind of cool to see that finally happening, uh, this whole race revival thing at the track this uh, last couple of months. Now, another big race that took place this weekend was the Oxford 250, and uh, there was a little bit of uh, uh, excitement there, too. Driver of the number 53 is the fifth winner from north of the border, but the first Nova Scotian uh, to win. So uh, it's uh, uh, a little bit of an international flair there. Cole Butcher uh, makes Canadian history when he wins the Oxford 250. So that's pretty cool to see an international driver winning that event. Yeah, and actually he races for um, uh, Donnie Wilson Motorsports. He comes out. He comes out every year and runs the. Um, comes out every year. And he runs the, uh, the Snowball Derby also. Oh, okay. So uh, very cool. So, uh, any other uh, events that you want to make sure you highlight here? You know, we haven't had any. Um, Madera's been having their weekly program, which I really don't follow them too much. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, um, we, we don't we don't really have nothing coming up until uh, Orange Show ran this past weekend too. I didn't I didn't make that show either. So. Okay. Uh, well, just to, just as an FYI, if you head over to Racing America, they have uh, quite a few very good articles, uh, not only about the short track racing that's been taking place, but uh, some of the NASCAR racing that took place this past weekend. Uh, Al Blaney outlasted Truex for the final Cup Series playoff spot. Uh, uh, Dale Jr. is hoping that Wilkesboro isn't his last late model start. Um They've got the entry list for that uh, race as well. How teamwork, friendship, uh, and pe- friendship powers Austin Dillon to the playoffs is Daytona. So there's just uh, quite a few uh, really good articles there. And we'll head over to um, uh, Flow Racing now because they also have uh, some great articles. Uh, they've got the replay. If you haven't seen it yet, you could probably watch the replay of Sammy Smith winning out at the Milwaukee Mile this past weekend. We're going to talk about oh, that yeah. in a few minutes. Yeah, that yeah, that'll be something something uh, exciting to watch. Um, yeah, flow 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 covers. I think flow their coverage. They cover a lot of the the uh, racing in the state. They they might even have the they might even have the race from Adara over here. It was just a, it was just what one of the weekly events. I'm not too sure. I have to go back to the chat. Yeah, check check that out. Cal Cummings uh, lays a beatdown on the USAC sprints at SmackDown, so out in Kokomo, Indiana. So a great article about that. Justin Peck dominates the All-Stars Kramer Clash at Lincoln. Uh, Earl Pearson Jr. ends a 114-race skid with a big win out at Port Royal this past weekend. 
Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of racing this past weekend, especially with um, with uh, Labor Day weekend coming up this weekend. I know a lot of tracks will be uh, a lot of tracks will be uh, dark this weekend. So yeah, well, a lot of them be dark, so it'll be busy. But for the most part, um, anything back east from anything on the east side, they they race two three times a week. Mm, yep. Also, Doug Colby gets redemption with a perfect day out at Langley. Uh, there's just so much that uh, they have over there at Flow Racing as well, so uh, you'll want to head on over there to check that out. Uh, right now, though, Sal, let's go ahead and move over to the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Sammy Smith dominated that race um, and won, uh, and it's really huge for him. Uh, in winning that race, there's just uh, there's three different series that were actually <coughs> racing this one event, the Specker 150, and Sammy Smith scored his third career Arkham Art Series win and his seventh career uh, Arkham Art Series East win in that Specker 150 at the Milwaukee Mile. The race was a combination race between the two series and counts toward both championships but it also counts toward the Sioux Chief Showdown. So Smith also extended his points lead in both the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, that I just mentioned and the East with his victory. He leads the showdown standings by 23 points, the East standings by 33 points, and Taylor Gray, Sunday's Sunday's runner-up and finisher, is second in both of those series. So that's going to be fun to continue to watch as the season continues to roll on here. Yeah, it will be. They're they're gonna they're gonna take it all the way down to the uh down to the wire, but thirty three points, gosh, that's that's a big deficit to make up. It is. Nick Sanchez also maintained an eleven point lead over Danny Guy <clears throat> in the Menard Series championship standings. Sanchez finished fifth while Dye finished third. Raja Caruth, another player here held on to third place in the standings and his fourth with his fourth place finish. So uh, another, uh, for the Arkham Menard series, those are the big players in that series and how that's kind of playing out from this race this past weekend. Yes, definitely. Okay, now Smith, who has only started 11 of the series 15 races uh, this year because of age restrictions, leads the series with 10 top five finishes. Dye leads the series with 13 top 10 finishes. Jesse Love, well, he won last week at the Illinois State Fairgrounds scoring his 20th Arkham Menard Series top 10 finish. Uh, and and <clears throat> Well, he won last week at the Illinois Fairgrounds and scored his 20th Arkham Menard Series top 10 finish at the Milwaukee Mile. So uh, it was a big day for Jesse Love as well. Yes, it was. It's, uh, yeah, we're they're, they're, we're kind of following Jesse a little bit on this side on the West Coast to see how he's mm-hmm. doing. You know, because he went, he did go from McAnally's, uh Bill McAnally's, um Arca West team to uh, to continue with the Napa sponsorship. You know, into the series that he's in right now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Taylor Gray, uh, he's had an amazing season. Of all the driver's centers at Milwaukee, he has 23 top five finishes and 31 top ten finishes. That's an incredible uh, stat for Taylor Gray. Yeah, it is. That's the, you know, with the, you know, with the way he started out the season, you know, he had that, he had that, um, he had that accident, you know, and then he was off for a while, yeah. you know, and then he'd come back and, you know, and, uh, you know, come back, you know, and, and, you know, and race the way he has, especially with the Gray family, you know, coming from, um, coming from a drag racing background instead of an oval track racing, you know, to make the switch, you know, and, and mm-hmm. of course, you know, they picked up a, you know, a good team owner in, in, in David Gillen with, uh, David Gillen and racing. They sure did. Uh, David has done a really tremendous job with that organization. <clears throat> Smith now leads the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, points with eight top fives and eight top ten finishes in the eight races so far. No other driver has finished in the top ten in each of the series races. So Smith, uh, another step to add to his resume for this year. <clears throat> oh yeah, he's, he's definitely on fire. Yeah, he's he's um he's racing everything that he possibly can race. You know, which is good for a young driver like him. You know, to you know if he wants to uh, make it up into the upper ranks, you know, seat time and racing different series, different tracks uh, against different kind of competitions is only going to just help him to uh, you know to improve you know on the talent that he has. Absolutely. Also, uh, a couple of other drivers, Christian Rose and Mandy Chip, they finished 15th and 16th. Uh, they actually set their best career Arkham and Art Series finish uh, this past weekend at the Milwaukee Watt Mile. While Smith's average finish in 11 Arca starts uh, this year is 3.45. <laughs> Just a, an amazing stat again for Smith. Yeah, it is an amazing stat when you think about it. Uh, he only had one finish outside the top three. That's where he picked up the four or five at. And, uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, to have to have the finishes and that average finish, especially in the Arc this year, you know, is a you know the testament to, to the team and also to the driver himself. Well, Roger Caruth is back in the lead uh, for the series. Uh, he he leads the series with. Uh, 1,765 laps completed out of 1,772 possible. So uh, those are all competition laps. Uh, Sanchez is second, just four laps behind Curlew. And Smith has completed all but one of the possible 1,424 competition laps in his 11 starts. And finally, Brad Smith was given the checkered flag uh, signed by ARCA officials and many of the drivers in the field, as he made his 400th Arkham Art Series start in the Specker 150 at the Milwaukee Mile. Uh, Smith made his first start in 1988 at Rockford Speedway, about an hour away, where he made his milestone start on Sunday. So Smith finished 21st in that race. But that is a huge milestone, his 400th start in the Arkham Art Series. Oh yeah, definitely. It's a huge milestone. I mean, we're barely hitting this past year and last year we were barely hitting a hundred starts in the SRL series. And then look at look at all his starts he's had. That's uh that's an amazing feat. And the, I mean you even looking at, at what um at what the onion did in the 
in the Cafe World Truck Series this year, too. You know, it is milestone, what, 800 mm-hmm. start or something. One of those numbers like yeah, that. Yeah, Todd um, Bodine. Yeah, Todd Bodine. Yeah. Yeah, Todd Bodine. I think that was 800 starts, wasn't it? Yeah it, was, really yeah, it was 800 a, starts. Wow. A lot of starts. It is a lot of starts. Uh, and a lot going on in that one race that took place out at the Milwaukee Mile uh, this past weekend. Um, Let's uh, real quick just do a rundown of the point standings. I know we touched on it, but there's other people that are in those point standings as well. So if you want to do the Arkham and Art Series, I'll do the East, and then you can do – I don't know if the showdown's up yet or not, but you can go ahead and – uh, Starting see. with the Arkham and <clears throat> Okay. Oh. All right, let me go back. I was already on the Sioux Chief Showdown. Yeah, the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, is not updated yet. No, <clears throat> so, it's not updated. All right, um, Nick so we'll Sanchez is the... leading the points. Yeah. Okay, Nick Sanchez leading the points. Daniel Dyke second, Roger Cruz in third, uh, Greg Van Els in fourth. Uh, Tony Brenninger rounds out the top uh, five. And then from there we go down to Al- Albert Balkin in sixth, Sammy Smith in seventh, Brad Smith in eighth, Taylor Gray in ninth, and Jesse Love rounds out the top ten. And you got to remember that the bottom, the bottom three, with the exception of Brad Smith, haven't ran all the racing in the series. That's why they're, they're points. In case you're wondering how they're That's doing right. so well in their points, they're so bottom at the bottom of the of the uh, standings because they haven't ran all 15 races that's correct uh taylor gray and jesse love have run only 10 of the 15 races sammy smith 11 of the 15 races so uh even though they've missed uh four or five of those races they're still in the top 10 which is uh pretty amazing in and of itself moving over to the arca e standings uh, we've talked about how good Sammy Smith is doing. He's in that number one spot, followed by Taylor Gray. He's 27 points back. Then you've got Leland Honeyman, 31 points back. Stephanie Moyer in fourth at 73 back. And Brad Smith rounds out the top ten. He's 76 points back. The next uh, six, the next five drivers, uh, starting with Christian Rose in sixth, Jake Finch, Donald Thiege, Connor Jones and Jonathan Schaefer round out the top 10. But it's the same situation here. There's only been six races won, and only the top five have run all six races. Uh, from, uh, from sixth place down to 10th place, uh, it goes anywhere from two races uh, for the bottom two drivers, three races for Donald Thiege, and... Uh, four and then five races for Jake Finch and Christian Rose. So those guys have raced only a partial schedule compared to uh, those top five drivers who have raced all six races. Yep. That's why the, that's why you see the big, um, the big uh, deficit between the, once you start getting down there, down towards the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the, those guys at the top are putting on a good show, and uh, I think we'll see uh, even more as the series uh, winds down. Uh, and looking at that, I want to go through the the broadcast schedule here for uh, the next month or so. 
Uh, let's see here. The Arkham Menard series uh, uh, race this past weekend at the Milwaukee Mile. The next races coming up are in September. So I'll just do a rundown of those races. Uh, on Saturday, September 3rd, the Arkham Menards West Series will be racing at Portland International Raceway, and that will be on USA as a tape delay. Uh, but Flow Racing will have the live streaming, and Arca Racing will have the radio coverage. Uh, that should take place around 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, then on the 4th, DuCoin State Fairgrounds will host both the Arkham Menards Series and another Sioux Chief Showdown event, 9 p.m. Eastern. It'll be available on MAV-TV Motorsports Network as well as Flow Racing with radio coverage on ArcaRacing.com. And then Saturday, September the 10th, there'll be a Kansas Speedway. Uh, That's just the Arkham Menard Series, 7 p.m. Eastern, also on MAV-TV Motorsports Network and Flow Racing. But the radio coverage, in addition to Arca Racing, uh, will be on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. Uh, It'll be Channel 391 online. Uh, I'm sorry. Channel 391 on the XM radio, and online, it'll be channel 981. Then on the 15th, which is the last race of September, uh, the Arkham Menard Series, the East, and the Sioux Chief Showdown, a combination event again, will be at Bristol Motor Speedway at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Uh, so you, you'll be able to access it through the Fox Sports app, but radio coverage will also be on MRN and the Sirius XM on NASCAR channels. Uh, I'll get into October as we get closer to that, but these are the uh, next four races that fans should be looking forward to uh, across the Arkham Menard series uh, and the Arca East. So I know for the Arca East, um, well, for the Arca West, uh, they have... Uh, a total of two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven races for the entire season. So uh, their season is starting to wind down, but they still have four races left. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, they do have four races left, and next one will be Portland, um, which will be coming up, which will be second time that in Portland this year. The which will be the um, the road course, and then um, and then from there, then we head out to uh, back down here to, up north to Northern California to um, uh, Roseville All American Speedway, which will be another another uh, short track event for them. Exactly. Now for the Arca East, uh, they've only had six races so far. Their seventh race is going to be their season finale sale out at Bristol Motor Speedway on September the 15th, the Sioux Chief Showdown 200. Uh, that's that combination event that we just talked about. So their season finale is coming up here in the middle of September. Yeah, it's, it was a short uh, lived season, seven races for the, for the championship. Um, gosh, I remember when they when they'd run more than that for a championship. Um but you know, uh, I guess like I said, is what it is. You know, just be just be happy that we do have some some kind of racing coming from from the East. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the Arkham and Art Series, that's a 20-race um, that's a 20-race uh, event, or 20-race series, and they have five races left uh, after this weekend. So, DeCoin Fairgrounds, Kansas Speedway, and Bristol Motor Speedway in September, uh, and then only two races in October uh, that lead up to their uh, season finale. So, that's going to be uh, pretty cool uh, to see what happens there. The Sioux Chief Showdown, they're winding down as well. Uh, the Sioux Chief Showdown only has two more races uh, before they uh, round up their uh, season. Uh, they've got the DuCoin Fair, State Fairgrounds and Bristol Motor Speedway. So their season will wind down in September as well. The Sioux Chief Showdown is the 10 races within the 20 races of the Arkham Menard Series for a separate championship title. Yeah, it'll be an exciting, <clears throat> exciting couple of months coming up for the Arca, for the Arca Menard series as they start to wind down and get ready, you know, to, to start crowning champions and and uh, you know, get ready. Hopefully soon, you know, we'll uh, pr- pretty soon we'll be hearing uh, a schedule for uh, 2023. Yes, indeed, it is going to be an exciting season next year. It's kind of sad, though, to see them coming so close to the end of the season. Um, we always anticipate the season so much uh, when everything starts up again in February. But uh, this is the time of year when things start to wind down. And the closer we get to uh, September, October, November, uh, the closer we are to those season finales for a lot of these events, a lot of these series. Yes, but, oh, yeah, but then we always got – you know, we, we always uh, look forward to the, you know, to the next season coming up and see what, you know, some of the changes and, you know, some of the tour, some of the drivers are going to be going and, uh, yeah, you know, how the, how the, how the uh, 2023 is going to shake out. Yes, indeed, and there's always great articles over at the Arca Menards, uh, uh, Racing dot com website as well. That's where you can get the broadcast schedule, uh, find out about the drivers. They've got the race center there. So during the race, you can actually go to the race center, and you'll get live updates from the track, as well as listening, being able to listen to the radio coverage as well if you're not able to watch it on TV or live streaming. So uh, really, really good website that they keep there, uh, keeping everybody informed of what's going on within uh, the four different series under the Arkham Arts series umbrella. Yes, it's going to be, uh, like you said, you know, it's going to be a good finish to the season. We're winding down, getting ready for, uh, gosh, when you think about it, already Labor Day is already around the corner. And it seemed like just yesterday we were celebrating New Year's Eve, and gosh, this year has gone by quick. It has gone by quick. It's it's really amazing. I was telling my daughter the same thing. I can't believe we're at the end of August already. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the NASCAR Truck Series. They did not race this past weekend. They'll be racing next weekend. Their last race, uh, just as a reference point, was at Richmond Raceway on August the 13th. 
but their next race is going to be at the Kansas Lottery 200 uh, out at Kansas Speedway at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's on Friday, September the 9th. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 and radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Uh, so we'll definitely look forward to the next time that the trucks are back on track. But they had some big news this week, too. The Craftsman Truck Series is uh, Craftsman Trucks is uh, returning as the title sponsor of the Truck Series. I guess it's just Craftsman, not Craftsman Trucks. Yeah, well, I mean, it, yeah, it'll be it'll be Craft NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series is what it'll be. Same thing, same difference. Right. But yeah, now but they, they, they return. <clears throat> Yeah, they they were the title sponsor from the Truck Series Inception in 1995 through 2008. Uh, And now they're coming back for the 2023 season. So I think that's exciting. Uh, It's something that's going to be familiar to a lot of NASCAR fans. Yeah, I'm sure it will. You know, it'll bring back a lot of old memories, you know, and the, you know, I'm sure at the track video you'll see a lot of the old school NASCAR uh, Craftsman Truck Series hats and shirts at the races. You know, the fans, they like to wear. When it comes to nostalgia, you know, there's never a shortage when it comes to the old, to the old school fans, you know, wearing all the old um, all the old gear that they have. They get out of the, out of the closet, out of the drawer, and, you know, <laughs> clean it up and, and wear it, you know. And then, you, you know, you see the newer the newer generation, you know, with all the, you know, with all the, Retro. All the newer gear. Yeah, all the retro, all the bright colors, and and yep. all kinds of uh, crazy, crazy schemes, and then, and then you see the the veterans come out, you know, with the, you know, with the with the, with the garb that, that got them through their through their era. <laughs> well, I think it's exciting. Uh, some other news <clears throat> that came out uh, about a week ago: Zane Smith is going to be returning to Front Row Motorsports for the 2023 season. Uh, I believe they said that he'll run some select Xfinity and Cup Series races as well. Uh, but are you surprised to hear that, Sal? No, I mean, you kind of knew that that front row would would I would would bring Zane back, um, especially with the season that he's having. Um, you mm-hmm. know, you almost have to sign. You know, you got to sign a driver like that back. Um, I I think he's still you know a season or two away. You know from. You know, from uh, you know, I mean, of course, next year he's coming back, but I mean, even probably another season from there, you know, to make new Xfinity, you know, that of course, you know, his next step from there will be to, to uh, you know, to get in the cup. But you know, with the with the few uh, with the few Xfinity starts they're going to give him, you know, it'll help him, you know, to try and get used to the car a little bit, you know, a little bit more, you know, than and uh, you know, see how he finishes out this season. I mean, he's still in the running for for a championship, so. I mean, I'm sure this championship, if he does win, it's going to go a long way with um, with what happens beyond 2023. Yes, I, I do believe you are right about that. Uh, just as a reminder, let's go ahead and hit the points report. Uh, these guys are already into their uh, playoff season, and the next race at Kansas is actually an elimination race. 
So uh, by going over the points, we can kind of refresh everybody's mind on who is kind of above and below the cut line again. Um, let me see. You got Chandler Smith leading the points. Uh, Dave Smith in second. John Hunter Nemo second, third. Grant Infinger in fourth. Tyler Jeske in fifth. Stuart Friesen in sixth. Ben Rose in seventh. Matt Crafter in eighth. And Carson Osfar ninth. And Christian Eckes in the tenth spot. Okay. So those two drivers in the ninth and tenth spot, uh, they are in jeopardy are, are. of elimination. Yes, Carson is three points back from Matt Crafton, and Christian Eckie is only six points back from from both Crafton and uh, and Hosevar. So that that could that could go either way. That could go either way. It's it's going to be yeah. For, uh, for both and we've guys. seen surprises already in the Cup Series, uh, so you never know what can happen. But that race will be Friday, September the ninth at seven thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Out at Kansas Speedway, and again, it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Uh, the remainder of the schedule, uh, that race will take place in September, and then September 15th, they'll start the playoff round of eight at Bristol Motor Speedway. On the, October 1st, they'll be racing at Talladega Super Speedway, and then the cutoff race for the round of eight will be October the 22nd, at Homestead Miami Speedway, and that's where they pare it down. They eliminate four drivers after that race, and the final four of the drivers uh, will race for the championship out at Phoenix Raceway on November the 4th. So, uh, but this this first cutoff comes up on uh, Saturday, uh, Friday, September the 9th, out at Kansas Speedway. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting, like you said. You know, there's there's two, possibly three drivers. You know that can be eliminated. You know, along with the you know course. If, you know, if, if you get if you get one one of them to win, most of our either crafting, you know, then they're you know then they're uh, they'll advance. You know, then they're yeah, they'll advance. Yeah, those guys are all very very close in points. So a lot can happen in the course of a race. So I'd say uh, that this race coming up out of Kansas is going to be a do not miss event. So. Oh yeah, it'll definitely be a do not miss event. We'll see what happens how the how it um. We'll see how it all plays out out of Kansas Speedway. Uh, Chandler Smith right now, well, actually Zane Smith, the regular season champion, uh, already has 37 playoff points that he's using during these playoffs. But Chandler Smith, uh, I believe, is the only driver who's advanced to the next uh, round of the playoffs, right? Yeah, but Grant Infinger. Oh, Grant Infinger. Grant Infinger also has a winner. Yeah, yeah, they both got wins, so. So, so they're both advancing um, automatically. And then you got Zane Smith, who's right behind them. Uh, and then, uh, you know, then, then, you, then you go down, you know, to the other uh, to the other eight drivers. Yeah, it's uh, really amazing. 
you're right. Grant Dinfinger has the win along with Chandler Smith. Uh, and these guys, the, the most vulnerable drivers out of Kansas, I think, are going to be Matt Kraft and Carson Hosevar and Christian Eckes. But it's not – Ben Rhodes needs to really step up his game as well. He's uh, He's got a 21-point advantage, but those 21 points at this next race, he's either going to have to increase that advantage or uh, – uh, if it goes down any further, if he loses more points, um, he could be in jeopardy in this next round. Last year's champion. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely that, that's for sure. I mean, he, he's a, uh, um, you know, he he made it. He was happy to make it. Then now he's now he's in this position. But um, this is a position that uh, that when you think about it, that the um, that the veterans always. Uh, the veterans always excel at Yes, that's true. Um, the the veterans kind of go through this, uh, that have been through a playoff before. Uh, they uh, a lot of times uh, have a little bit of an advantage because they kind of know how to handle that pressure uh, throughout a playoff uh, run. But uh, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. It's uh, really amazing. Yeah, it's, it's okay. going to be exciting. I mean, you got a lot of good drivers already already locked in, you know, and Chandler Smith and Grant Infinger. Zane Smith, I'm pretty sure he's pretty well locked. I mean, really the only one that has to really worry, the only one that really has to worry is really Matt Crafton because if Carson Osafar or Christian Eckes wins, you know, that's going to knock Crafton out. So with Crafton being on the bubble, he's the one that's, that's really driving with the most pressure on his shoulders. Plus the fact that he's only three and six points away from from the um, you know from from the cut line. So um, you know he's he's going to be the one you know that's going to be carrying the burden of the of the uh, you know of, of he's, he's basically going to be beside his own destiny. Like I said, if um. Most of our Yankees doesn't have a, you know, a, a breakout race. Yes, yes, uh, they they really do need uh, a breakout race out of Kansas Speedway to keep them into playoff contention and move on to that round of eight. Uh, without that, uh, they have no chance of getting to the championship race at Phoenix. Uh, but uh, they definitely need to uh, – everybody's going to be stepping up their game out of Kansas Speedway in this uh, Camping World Truck Series. Okay. Uh, we're a little ahead of schedule, Sal, but I'm going to go ahead and move on here uh, because we do have quite a bit to talk about. Uh, let's move on to the Xfinity Series. Uh, their race was the Wawa 250 powered by Coca-Cola on uh, Saturday. It was the 21st annual race at uh, Daytona International Speedway. The race winner was a surprise, Jeremy Clements, at the age of 37, uh, driving the number 51 one-stop ASC Chevrolet uh, for his, his own race team. 
uh, with crew chief Mark Setzer. Uh, it was his second victory in 421 Xfinity Series races. Uh, one of the things that I read earlier today, too, is that um, <clears throat> that win for uh, Jeremy Clements was on August the 27th. Guess when his first win came? Uh, August the 25th. No, same date. At Road America no, on August the 27th. On 2017. So, what is this? 25 years, five years later, on the same date, uh, Jeremy Clements gets his second victory. Uh, the first one at Road America, the second one, an upset victory at Daytona International Speedway. And he makes that punches his ticket into the playoffs, Sal. Yeah, it does. He's um he's a happy he was a happy camper I'll tell you that the whole team was um that was exactly. one heck of a horrible race <clears throat> gosh <laughs> that was really an uh, an amazing chaotic maybe is maybe a good way to say it yeah um, I mean I I don't know what, I guess when we talk about the cup race too it's just I just glad the, the trucks were out there because the trucks might have might have been it might have been the same thing it was just Boy, I'll tell you, I thought that race was never going to end. <laughs> oh, I know. I I wasn't going to be able to watch it. And then with the delay, uh, it turned out that two times I wasn't going to be able to watch it. But with the delay, by the time I got home, I was able to actually watch the race. So I was kind of happy for that. Um, but getting back to Jeremy Clements. This is his first victory and fifth top ten finish this season. Also the first victory and third top ten finish in 25 races at Daytona. Timmy Hill finished in second place, posting his fifth top ten finish in 12 races at Daytona and his first top ten finish this year. A.J. Allmendinger finished third. Uh, posting his fourth top ten finish in six races at Daytona, while Kyle Sieg, who finished tenth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So uh, that was a big uh, race for Jeremy Clements, um, and uh, uh, it was a surprise, I think, for everybody uh, that he won that race. It was kind of a race of attrition, if you will, whoever was left when all was said and done. Uh, Friday night's bizarre, attrition-filled, rain-delayed Xfinity Series race at Daytona produced approximately, appropriately, unex- an unexpected outcome when Jeremy Clements took the checkers flag under caution at the end of the third attempt at overtime. It took three overtimes, but Jeremy Clements upset the Xfinity Series field of Daytona, winning the Wawa 250 for his second win uh, in his career and the first since 2017. Timmy Hill uh, finished second, as I mentioned before. That's a career-high finish for him. A.J. Allmendinger was involved in multiple incidents, uh, but still ended up finishing third. Uh, Brandon Brown and Sage Karam rounded out the top five. Ryan Vargas finished sixth, followed by Ty Gibbs, Alex LeBay, J.J. Yaley, and Kyle Sieg to fill out the top ten. Uh, some amazing names on that list. Uh, Gibbs won the opening stage, 
his fourth of the season. Gregson picked up his 11th stage victory of the season by winning the second stage. And there were 19 lead changes among 12 drivers and 10 cautions for 41 yellow flag laps. Now, the average speed of the race, 113.328 miles per hour. Uh, your thoughts about those uh, top 10 finishers? Yeah, you know, you got to end. There are just names up there that that we would never normally see up there. <laughs> yep. And it's only because of all the cars that wrecked out. You know, I know, you know, they were, they were excited about it, but you can't blame them for being excited because, you know, because everything that happened. But, you know, you kind of, you kind of had to feel bad for Noah Gregson because Noah Gregson looked like he had the field covered. And then, yep. you know, A.J. Almendier got to the back and put him into the wall kind of hard, you know, and knocked him and his, and his shot at the wind, you know, right out the door. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll tell you, it was uh, it was one heck of a win for Jeremy Clements and the, and the whole, you know, his whole team and, you know, to see how, you know how it all played out, and and uh, you know all the all the look at the at the you know like you said the top ten, and I think it was the top ten where the only ones that finished the race. About a lot but, of drivers that were knocked out, uh, and I'll go through the list here. Uh, Daniel Hemrick uh, was out on lap 114 of 118 laps. Uh, for damage the damaged vehicle policy. Uh, then you also had Brandon Jones uh, uh, out at 114. He was lapsed down when the race ended. Same with Jeb Burton. Uh, but look, look at this list of people wrapped up in accidents. Lap 110, uh, Noah Gregson, Landon Castle, and Matt Mills are out. On a lap 103, another big list, you've got Justin Haley, um, Ryan Sieg, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Caesar Baccarala, Josh Williams, and Bailey Curry all out uh, on lap 103 because of an accident. Lap 98, it was David Starr and Anthony Alfredo. Uh, lap 97, Sam Mayer actually, I'm sorry, Mason Massey had an engine issue that took him out on lap 97. Uh, Sam Mayer was caught up in an accident on lap 91. Lap 82 took three drivers, John Hunter Nemechek, Sheldon Creed, and Joe Graff Jr. all out on lap 82. And Sammy Smith, we're talking about how great he's doing in the Arkham Menard series, had a rough day at Daytona. I think this was a debut for him. Uh, So it's not an easy track uh, to go out there and run for your first time. Uh, he had an accident taking him out on lap 14. That's a lot of drivers. That's yeah. almost half the field. Yeah, it's, it, it is. You know, and like you said, you know, to you know, to bring Sammy Smith out, you know, on a on a first time, you know, on a track like that. Yes. You know, it was. It was uh, but you know what? Um, <laughs> this is NASCAR, and this is you know what you what you kind of expect. You know, especially, you know, everybody knows what's involved when you get, once you get to uh, Daytona, you know, it's a whole different animal, you know, all its own. And um, <clears throat> you know, it, it sure to prove, 
you know, it should have, it should have proved to be that way. And, uh, you know, it, I don't know if, if it was excitement or, or how, how you classify this one race, but man, I'll tell you, there was a lot of carnage. There was a lot of carnage. Uh, and it, it's just amazing. Now for the Xfinity series, um, they actually have uh, a little bit longer to go before they start their playoffs. Uh, their round of 12 doesn't start until September the 24th. So between now and then, <laughs> these guys are going to be uh, racing three other races. They have three races left for drivers to make it into uh, that round of 12. They have, on September 3rd, the race out at Darlington Raceway. Uh, September 10th, they'll be racing at Kansas Speedway. And September the 16th, uh, they'll be racing at Bristol Motor Speedway for the Xfinity Series. Bristol Motor Speedway is their season finale when they will crown their regular season champion for this season. Yeah, they still got another uh, three races left before they um, before they crown theirs, and you know, and 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 uh, you know, begin their elimination rounds. Um, I'll tell you, it's 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 been one heck of a it's been one heck of a Xfinity Series season this year. You know, it's been some good racing there too. Actually, we've had good racing, you know, all, all the way around the board. You know, on all three. That's true. On all three, on all three series, so. I mean, there's really nothing to complain about as far as, you know, the product that NASCAR has out on the out on the field this year. You know, I know there's there's different things that you know that, you know, the fans are complaining about. You know, which is you know the short too many, too many short tracks, too many of this, too many of that. But you know what, it is what it is. You know what, and and um, you know, it's just uh, something you know that NASCAR is working on. You know, to try and, you know. To try and make it interesting, you know, for all fans of all ages and all and all and all genres, you know. Yeah. So this is what That's we're true. this is what we're going to be seeing in the years coming up. I mean, um, but I don't want the I when I want to I want to rewatch the finish of that race, the Xfinity race, and I'm like, <laughs> man, this thing is never going to end. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Okay, let's go ahead and cover the points because, uh, as I mentioned, there's three more races for drivers to punch their ticket into the playoffs, and a couple of drivers are below that cut line, but it's a tight battle there. Yeah, above so, and below. Yeah, Sheldon Creed was really looking good there for a while, you know, making the playoffs. Sheldon got he has three races; he's got yeah. to make up a lot of points because he was one that got cut up in, in the wrecks, but. Um, playoff standings, look after Daytona. Um, Ty Gibbs is, uh, is leading with five wins. Uh, Noah Gregson is sitting in second with three wins. Justin Algeyer in third with three wins. A.J. Allmendinger is sitting fourth with three wins. Josh Berry with two wins is in fifth. Austin Hill has two wins. I thought Austin Hill was going to pull this, this one off, too. He was so close. close. He was right there. He came really super <laughs> close to winning this race. I thought I thought it was going to be an Austin Hill win, but unfortunately it wasn't. Um, uh, then in seventh we got Brandon Jones. Eighth is Jeremy Clements, who just punched his ticket in, so he's guaranteed to be in there. And then from there, then we go to the drivers who don't have any wins, who are who are hanging out on points. 
And on ninth, we've got Riley Herbs. Um, tenth is Sam Mayer. Eleventh is Daniel Hemrick. Twelfth is Landon Castle. And actually, Landon Castle and, uh, and Brian Sieg are only um, 12 points away. And then from there, then you go down to uh, 14th with Sheldon Creed, who's 55 points. And anybody behind Sheldon needs, definitely needs a win in order to get in. They're, they're just they're, – they're too many points. Just like Sheldon, he's, I think, 55 points to make up in three races is, is yeah, that's not going to happen. He, he, he definitely needs a win to get in. He, yeah, he needs a win. Uh, all of these drivers want to get in with a win, if at all possible. Uh, but uh, Landon Castle is probably the most vulnerable that's above the cut line. He's just 12 points to the good, uh, with Ryan C 12 points below. Uh, and like you say, Sean Creed's there at, uh, you know, 55 points below that cut line. But uh, all of these guys want to get that win to get in. And uh, yeah, these Brian, next three races that will tell us. You know, and Ryan C, he's been having a he's been having a good solid year. I mean, you got to really take your hat off to, you know, to what Ryan has done this year. You know, with the, with this team, um, you know, he's kept them in it. He's kept them close. And uh, you know. He's um, really been a, a really surprise. Even last year, closing out last year, he, you know, he had his, he had some bad races, but this year it seemed like he just kind of put a whole year of consistency together. And hopefully, you know, he'll make the, you know, he'll be one of them, you know, that'll make the, um, you know, that he'll he'll be able to to enjoy the fruits of his success. It's been a long, been yeah. a long ladder for him. It has been. Uh, but you're right. We have seen him have some very, very good runs. And you never know. He may get that uh, going again, uh, even, you know, in these next three races or even during the playoffs part of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, any, it's anybody's game. But, but it's it's kind of hard, you know, once you get into the playoffs, you know, because what what's going to hurt all these drivers is the, is the playoff points. You know, yeah. the playoff points, you know, with, with Ryan Sieg, you know, and, and Landing, if Landing Castle makes it, Daniel Hamrick, Sam Ayer, Riley Herbs, they're all going to make it. But they're, when you're talking about Ty Gibbs, who has 29 playoff points already, Noel Gregson has 26, Justin Algar mm-hmm. 21, and A.J. Almendinger with 17. Even A.J. Almendinger with 17, he's still 12 points to, to the bad up against Ty Gibbs. And Ty Gibbs has been a, a model of consistency this year. You know, as far as his racing, you know, um, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he's got five wins on the season. Um, you know, he's just really been, uh, you know, you almost have to say he's, he's definitely going to go in as one of the favorites to win the, to win the whole, uh, to win the championship this year. Yes, that that is uh, a really good point. Um, now, just so everybody knows, the next race for the uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series is going to be out at Darlington Raceway uh, September the 3rd. That's this coming weekend at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the Sports Club Hair Clutz VFW Help a Hero 200. That will be on the USA Network at starting at uh, 10. Practice will be from 10 to 10.30 p.m. Qualifying. Three uh, on September the third at 10:30 p.m. to 11:30 p.m. It also is an impound single vehicle 
uh, one lap for all entries, uh, kind of practice and qualifying. Uh, so we've got a lot to look forward to this weekend with Darlington coming up. Uh, but uh, yes, and, and you know what? And, and, and actually, just one, uh, just just one little uh, programming note. You know, when I when sure. I read the the point that when I read the point, you know, I'd, I'd read you know the way they said it was the playoffs, but actually, when you look at it. The AJ Allmendinger is beating you know to to actually win the Xfinity Series championship, you know before the before the before the playoffs starts and points to the good on top of Ty Gibbs with um, with Justin Algar that's 80 points behind. So barring any any bad finishes, any DNFs or anything like that, you can almost count AJ Allmendinger you know to be the um, the Xfinity Series yeah. um, you know uh, uh, what do they call yeah. it. Regular season champion, yeah, he's 58 points up in the good, so he's looking good at that. But then, like I said, once once they reset the points, you know, then all the playoff points kick in, and and you know, I mean, the only thing AJ can keep doing, you know, is these next three races, you know, so just keep, you know, you know, trying to win as many stages as he can, you know, to hopefully catch catch tight in the playoff points, but it, it, it's going to be interesting when we when we when we finally get the breakdown after the third race and, and see how how these top three, actually top four with no breaks and how he sits in there because Noah has 26 um, playoff points of his own, and he's got 11 stage wins. That's a lot of stage wins. Noah's right, really racking up the stage wins. You know, so, oh, okay. I mean, he, he, he's been up there. Okay, so I've got something I need to tend to, so I'm going to let you conduct uh, the interview for your guests that's coming up. Um, I'm just asking it to be done by uh, in 15 minutes uh, for that okay. interview, and um, uh, but to kind of set it up here for us, who our next guest is and uh, what his story is. You know, our our next guest is uh, Sean Sean Hingarani. Um He's a 15 year old driver from outer from the West Coast, and uh, I'll tell you, um, man, he is really um, he is really setting the the West Coast Underground fire. Um, he's got a, a really good coach on his side with him. He's got a Derek Thorn that's that started helping with his ARCA series starts, also helped him with his um, with his uh, SRL starts that he's making. He's already won an, an SRL pro late race up in Stockton, which is a tough one of the one of these tough. I, I would say that's one of the toughest tracks in the SRL schedule, and um, wow. very impressive win. One wire to wire got the pole, um, and I, I'll tell you, he's he's really an, an impressive driver, and I'll, you know it's going to be exciting, you know, to talk to him, you know, see you know what his outlook is and. You know, like, you know, with with this show, you know, we've always, you know, looked for the younger drivers, you know, to talk to them, you know, see what the see what their outlook is, see see how they're how they're balancing their racing schedule with the school, you know, and just everything in general because ten, fifteen years ago this was unheard of to hear of a fifteen year old, you know, young driver driving a a super late model. Absolutely. Sean is here, Sal, if you want to go ahead and get done with the, get started, I mean, with the interview. Okay. And I'll listen in, but uh, I'm just going to be on the sideline here. Okay. Well, our, our next guest is, um, uh, as we, you know, we've been talking about, 
Um, I've been kind of feeling sharing in on on Sean what he's been going through, Sean uh, Sean Ingrani, um, uh, and I'll tell you, you definitely by the end of the show, you know, we'll we'll talk about what he's got planned, what he's been going through, how he got into racing, and uh, and I'll tell you, man, this kid is exciting to see on the track, and hopefully, our listeners, you know, will will tune in and watch, go back and watch some of his past races, but some of his races to come too. And with that, we want to welcome Sean to the show. Welcome to the show, Sean. Hi, Mr. Sagala. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, let's let's so, dive into it. Let's get into it, man. You know what? This is one interview I've been talking with Troy for for probably, I don't know, a couple months, two, three months now. And um, after that win at Stockton, I wanted to get you on that Monday so bad, but then things came up and we already had other commitments. But, you know, we finally got you on the show. We finally got you right where we want you. So, Sean, to start, first of all, to start off, how did how did you get into racing at such a young age? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for making this happen. I really appreciate it. But um, I started racing just over a year ago. Um, one of my buddies was racing Legend Cars, and I decided to try it out. Uh, I tested on the Thursday, uh, practice Friday, race Saturday. I really liked it. Uh, kind of took off from there. I ran a few races with uh, Ricky Slick. Then one of my buddies, Jake Bowman, I uh, started racing with him on with Donnie St. Hours. That's where I still am today in the Legend Cars. Um, and then kind of took off from there. You know, when when you when you say take off, you're you are, man. I mean that that is that is a great statement right there. Take off because basically, your racing is you have taken off. I mean, leading races. You know, um, like like I was telling Sharon earlier, you know, you know, you got the big win at Stockton, in the, you know, in, in the SRL Pro Late, you know, and 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 to get a win like that, especially over the Zappas, you know, who basically own that place, the drivers, you know, you kind of put on a, a what I say, and it, I mean, you put on a clinic out there, you know, for that win. What was it like to get that, win, especially in a in a track that's so tough? I, I would say that's one of the toughest tracks on the SRL schedule. Yeah, it was it was challenging going into it, knowing that it's a, such a short track and really rough racing. We weren't even sure if we were planning on going there, but we decided to shoot up there. Uh, the car car was just super good. The Nasimentos have a lot of laps there, and they just have everything dialed in there. So they got me up to speed really quick. The car was really good. Um, we just uh, we were able to qualify, I think, in the top five, if I'm not mistaken. Pulled the two, started on the outside. On the restarts, it was a little bit of a battle to get out front, but after a couple laps, we were just able to stay out there and uh, lead every lap. So I just can't thank them enough for giving me such a great car and always giving me a great car, and that's what that's the key to the success here. You know, and then, and then not only that, but also, you know, you know what, what you've done. I think you've, you've also had a couple of uh, – of, uh, uh, pro late model races over at Madera and even picked up a win over there. Yeah, we ran a few junior late races there, a few pro late model races. And that's been a good experience too, just to run with my teammate, Ethan Nasimeno and Bubba Nasimeno. It's just a lot of fun. You know, and actually talking about the Nasimenos, you know, I was talking with Eric at the, uh, we were talking at your last, at your, actually at your ARCA start. You know, I was telling Eric, I even told your dad, you know, that, you know, you getting hooked up with the Nascimentos was a good thing because Eric knows how to handle the younger drivers since he has two young sons, you know, that, have, you know, that he's brought up 
But not only that, you know, he's been involved with the junior late model program. And as we know, the junior late model program, you know, it's for the young, younger up and coming drivers. Um, how how has it been making 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 the transition from from your legend into you know the junior late model program and especially working with the Nascimentos? It was a bigger transmission at first, or transition at first, getting into a bigger car and just seeing how it how different it drives. But after testing and just getting used to it, I got more comfortable in it. And Eric treats me like his own kid. He's super great to me. I couldn't be more thankful to be on their team. And it's just. It was great. I love the pro late model, uh, jumping into super late models, and just the opportunity I've gotten. It's just great. You know, you mentioned super late models. You also got a chance to get a super late model start at one of the, I would say, one of the toughest half miles out here, one of the fastest is Kern, you know, Kern County Raceway. You know, you got your start over there, you know, when you ran the – so you did double duty that day. You ran the pro and you ran the super. What was it like to run the super late on, on a track then? You know, that's, that's become, you know, infamous, you know, especially we'll talk about Derek later on, you know, but Derek Thorne, who has so many wins there. I liked running at that track. It was uh, it was definitely one we had to learn, and the car was just rolling that weekend. It was so good. We were able to run. We qualified third, able to run in the top three until the, the motor blew up, unfortunately, which ended our night. But I think we would have ran up front if we were able to keep it going. Uh, but just unfortunately, mechanical failure uh, ended our race on the lap 27, I believe. You know, and, and being a being a young, you know, uh, basically you know, 15 year old, one year driver, how do you prep for to race all these different cars to go from the legend to the pro late to the junior late to the super late? And like I said, in a minute, we'll talk about your ARCA start. How is it to uh, like the transition? Yeah, you know, the transition, especially being, you know, such a young driver, you know, most of these drivers that are racing now, you know, at 15 years old, they've already got 10 years, eight, nine, 10 years under their belt. You know, a lot of them start, you know, they're five, six years old, seven years old in, in, uh, in, uh, in quarter midgets, you know, then they work their way up to, we used to have the Bando series, which isn't around anymore. And then from there, they went to Legends and then into, you know, the Pro Lates and Junior Lates and then the Late Models. Yeah, it was quite a transition. I would say the biggest transition was from the legend car to late model. But getting in the late model and it being a bigger car really helped me advance to the super late and the Arca. It Just being in the bigger car and having, like, the bigger right side of the car uh, on just helped a lot. It was more of uh, learning the driving style of the different cars, I would say, was the struggle. But the Nossa Meadows are always good getting me up to speed, so that helps me. And 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 besides the Nasa Mentos, who else is who else is who else is um has helped you, you know, to do this part? You know, um you said, you know, to rap for Ricky Slick. You know, Ricky's one of the top legend drivers out there. I mean that had to be exciting, you know, to run a to run a legend car with him too. Yeah, uh Ricky Slick, I started with him, he got me up to speed pretty good. He helped me in my first couple of races and that that's where it kind of I fell in love with racing. Donnie St. Hours, we moved on with Donnie St. Hours just because uh, Jake Bowman, Ethan Nascimento, I thought it would be fun to run with my friends, and it is a blast. Donnie's helped me so much. Sigma for giving me an opportunity to help me a lot. And the Nascimentos is just a ton of help, giving me the opportunity to drive all of their cars. It's just awesome. And, yeah, um, when you mentioned – oh, go ahead. Yeah, Derek Thorne's also recently been helping me, driver coaching. That's That's helped a lot, too. 
Yeah, you know, when you talk about Donnie St. Hours and his legend program, Donnie has, gosh, I remember Donnie when he was running, he was running bandos and legends, and he was just making a name for himself, you know, to see what he's done with his program. I mean, Donnie has done, man, his program is really, it's just like Ricky Schlick. I've known Ricky since he was, gosh, I don't know how old. And, you know, to see these young drivers, you know, come up into what they're doing now, you know, putting these driver developmental programs together for drivers like you, and then to see a driver like you, you know, to come out, you know what, and, and, you know, to be able to win races. But not only that, but the discipline that you have on the track, you know, to bring the car home in one piece, that's a whole other testament in itself. Yeah, Donnie St. Hours and Ricky Slick, they've helped me a ton, and they've taught me a lot about car control, how to keep the car clean. Donnie on the radio is just always good on calling me clear and just guiding me through the race. It's it's a big help, and that's that's a big reason on why the car comes home clean. And then you know you made the start this past you know this past well not this past weekend but the last weekend you made your Arca Menard Series start you know in the West Series at at, a, at another tough track, probably one of the toughest tracks on the on you know with the exception of the of the, of the two road courses that they run. But as far as an oval, you know, Evergreen Speedway on that 5.8, that 5.8 is fast. Oh, man. I mean, it's always great racing there, you know what, and, you know, you you know, you know, got your start over there, you know, and uh, and how did that go? And then especially, you know, with, you know, like I said, you know, now we can, you know, talk a little more about what Derek is doing, you know, with doing your program. Um, the start was a great start, and that, the track was very fast. It was very uh, rough track, um, a lot of speed. It was very flat, too, so you have to slow up the car quite a bit to get into the corners. Like you said, it's great racing out there. Unfortunately, our night got ended early by an on-track incident, but I thought it was a great experience, especially that we're heading to Portland next week for the ARCA road course, just to get ready for that, and hopefully our plan to run a full season of ARCA next year. This is just uh, you know, starting to help us out for our rookie season next year, if we can make that possible. So what's it like having a, a driver coach like Derek Thorne? You know, Derek is a, you know, he's he's one. He actually he is the best. You know, I in my opinion the best short track racer. You know that we have in the, in the nation right now. You know, and to have him, you know, you know, in the pits helping you. You know, you know, you know, especially he's a two-time ARCA champion himself. You know, as a seven-time SRL champion. You know, along with you know all the other races he's won. You know, to have him, you know, and. and you know, right there, you know, at your disposal. He's been great to me, great driver coach. Uh, I'm just so thankful to have him there. Him and the Nassimenos and I just work really well together. It's, I think it's a great fit, and he helps me so much on the track, on the radio, just getting me up to speed and shortening the learning curve with the racing. So with all this racing you're doing, I was talking with Eric, and he says, you know, you want to race every weekend, you know, you know, he says, you know, and I said, well, that, that's that's how these that's how the young generation is. You know, they they get that, you know, they get that taste of speed, you know, and, and from there, you know, they and it's and it's awesome to see, you know, to see young drivers out there. Like I said, when I first was started covering NASCAR, I mean, they were coming at the age of 21, 22 years old. It was unheard of to hear of a 15 year old, 14 year old. 17 even eight and 18 year old you know and see the discipline you guys have out there with you know handling these 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 race cars are not they're no joke they're fast yeah they are fast and we do try to stay in the seat every weekend i think it's helping me uh get better faster and eric makes it possible every weekend he's just 
always has a car ready. Um, always Cody's always working hard in the shop. Bubba, just everyone, and I can't thank them enough for how much work they put in just to get me out there every weekend and all the seat time I've gotten. So, so how do you find the time to balance schoolwork with all this racing? I go to a private school that's one-on-one -on -one teaching, and I can basically make my own schedule, which really helps me um, just manage my schedule with school. So that transition from public school to private school really helped me with this, shorten the, shorten the uh, amount of work I have, and it's just so much easier. I just, that's how I managed my uh, school with my racing. You know, then, of course, there's always a family. You know what? You know, there's, you know, the family, you know, that, you know, it gets you started. You know, the family that's behind you. I see your dad at every race. I mean, that's that's really got to be a big, uh, a big help and a big boost right there. Yeah, my family, if they're not at the track, they're watching at home on TV. They're just so supportive of it. My dad's at every race. He loves it. All my family just loves it, and they always love coming out whenever they can. My dad's always at every race, like I said, so he's really supportive of it, and just the whole family. And I get to see them when I'm home. All my family, luckily, is local, pretty local, 20, 30 minutes away. So I get to see them a lot, which is still really nice. So um, what do your friends think about, you know, about, you know, you, know, you being a race car driver? Because most of, most of your friends your age don't even have a license. They're not even driving it. But yet here you are, you know, you're traveling, you know, the, you know, the West Coast, you know, you know, going up, you know, Portland went up to Washington, you know, going to all these different tracks, you know, and getting to race these, you know, these race cars. And a lot of them probably, they watch, sure, a lot of them watch NASCAR on TV and wonder, you know, what it's like, you know, yeah, here they have a friend, you know, it's actually doing it. A lot of my closer friends are very supportive of it. A lot of them even race themselves. They do watch on TV from home. Sometimes they even come to the races. So they're supportive of it too. And they just love watching it and helping me throughout my career. So what does the future hold for Sean? I mean, you know, you know, you got this year under under your belt, you know, almost the season over, you know, and of course, you know, you got seasons to go forward to. So what are your aspirations? Is I mean, do you have any idea maybe going to dirt or are you just gonna stay with uh with the uh, stock cars? I would like to stay with the stock cars and hopefully one day go to NASCAR, but that's a long ways down the road and a big dream. But I'm just gonna keep Keep going in the ARCA, the super late models, the pro late models, and just see where it goes and see where this can end up. Hopefully, one day, we'll be on the TV. Mm, that's awesome. And with that, Sean, you know what? Do you have any shout-outs you want to give out? You know, you have any sponsors? you have a team, you know, the team you want to have a shout-out to and, uh, you know, before we wrap it up? Um, I would like to say thanks to Fidelity Capital, all the Nasimenos, my crew chief, Ty Joyner, and the ARCA car, just making the car so good every weekend family, friends, everyone behind the whole operation, my my mom, my dad, my sister, um, just, you know, everyone. And with that, Sean, you know what? Uh, actually, we, we, we've, uh, we've come to the end of the show right now. And um, I just want to thank you for coming on. I want to uh, wish you the best of luck, you know, in, in Portland. Wish you the best of luck, you know, for the rest of the season. And I'm sure we'll see you out there in a lot more races with that. And, uh, gosh, you know what, it's, it's exciting, you know, to see a driver coming up the way you have been. And I especially want to thank you for coming on the show, you know, and sharing some of this with you. I'm sure, you know, we'll have, you know, on, on you know, some shows in the future, you know, win a couple more races. Even without that, you know, we'll, we'll still get you on, you know, and talk a little, a little bit more about, you know, what's going on 
with Sean and, and his racing and, and you know, stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd also like to thank Mike Nascimento. And thank you for having me on the show. This was really great. I'd love to be on some more episodes. And just thank you for having me. This was a great experience. All right. Well, thank you, Sean, and a good night, and, uh, and we'll see you at the, at the racetrack. Thank you. Yeah, have a good day. Okay. Sharon? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, that was uh, okay. a really uh, a good deal getting to know Sean, and uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, he's willing to come back on uh, somewhere down the road here as well. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and move on to the Cup Series. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with this Cup oh, Series oh race. Uh, the season finale, that's why I was worried about cutting into our time there. Um, Austin Dillon won this race, the 64th annual Coke Zero Sugar 400, uh, at the age of 32, uh, in the number three Buzz Tree Chevrolet with uh, RCR and crew chief uh, Justin Alexander. It was his fourth victory in 326 Cup Series starts, his first victory and eighth top ten finish this year. Uh, it's also his second victory and ninth top ten finish in 19 races at Daytona. Now, Tyler Reddick finished second, posting his second top 10 finish in seven races at Daytona, and his 11th top 10 finish this year. Austin Sendrick finishing third, posted his second top 10 finish in three races at Daytona. He was the Daytona 500 winner this year. And then uh, he was also the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, Now, this uh, particular race, Let's see here. I got uh, okay. Here we go. Um, it was for the playoff spot uh, with Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. Pretty much competing with each other over who was going to be in the playoffs. If it was a new winner, one of them was going to be out. If it was a repeat winner, both of them maybe could have made it in. But uh, with uh, Austin Dillon winning this race as a new winner, it bounced uh, it bounced one of the drivers out. So uh, Blaney got a got really into a bad situation at the beginning of the race uh, on lap 31. His number 12 Team Penske Ford was third in line at the bottom lane behind Eric Jones and Denny Hamlin when the 43 of Jones. Uh, got loose and lost momentum off of turn two. So Blaney slammed into the back of Hamlin's Toyota, turning the number 11 toward the infield. And as the bottom lane compressed, Christopher Bell's number 20 Toyota spun behind Blaney and shot across the track and knocked Blaney's Mustang into the outside wall and severely damaged the right front quarter panel of Blaney's car. But he was able to recover. Um, Austin Dillon won uh, this long-rain-delayed Coke Zero Sugar 400 Daytona International Speedway on Sunday. The win was the first win of the year, the second at Daytona International Speedway, and the fourth career win for Dillon. It locks him into this year's Cup Series playoffs. Reddick finished second, followed by Sendrick, then it was Castle, Grayson, uh, Cody Ware, P.J. McLeod, Martin Truex Jr., Reagan, and Bush. The pole sitter was the number five of Larson. 
Um, he fell out of the race early because of engine problems. He ended up finishing 37th. The race was red flagged for track drying for three hours, 19 minutes, and 57 seconds. Uh, with 21 laps remaining, uh, that was a long wait for those 21 laps. Uh, and at the time that they closed the race, Dylan was in the lead, um, and with 16 laps remaining, he was passed by Cindric with 15 to go. Dylan retook the lead, coming to the two laps remaining, and held on for that win. Um, so those drivers that are advancing include Elliot, Larson, Logano, Chastain, Harvick, Byron, Reddick, Hamlin, Bell, Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sendrick, Chase Briscoe, Austin Dillon, and Ryan Blaney held on to that last spot. He was the only driver to make the playoff only on points. Uh, he entered the race 25 points ahead of Truex and finished the race three points ahead of him after both drivers were involved in accidents. Stage one was won by Lugano, stage two by Kyle Busch. There were 39 lead changes among 19 drivers, seven cautions for 30 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 138.942 miles per hour. Your thoughts about those top ten and uh, what happened with this long race? You know what, Sharon? You forgot one key driver that was in the race that nobody even thought about, and that was Mother Nature. Mother Nature, she was trying to play havoc on the whole race and try to get herself into the chase. But you know what? It was, I'll tell you, I think NASCAR did great by finishing the race. You know what? Mm -hmm. I understand Austin Dillon was, you know, he thought he, he, you could tell he thought they were going to call it. But I mean, after after an hour, two hours, they call it. I'm glad the NASCAR and, and made him earn that win. But you know what? Mm-hmm. You've got to take your hats off to Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick had a yes. chance to win this race. And you know what? And, and even with all the animosity and all the garbage that Richard Schiller has a throwing at Tyler Reddick, if I'd have been Reddick, I would have went for the win and I would have said, I don't care if your grandson doesn't make the chase. But you know what? Being the team member, the teammate that he is, and the driver – and the and it showed the, the the class and it showed just what Tyler Reddick is really made of and through mm-hmm. all that he put all that aside and he got Austin Dillon into the chase. You know, I mean yes. that right there that right there to me was a storyline of the whole of this whole race was Tyler Reddick pushing Austin Dillon into the chase, you know what, and putting putting everything aside that's been going on with him moving next next season. And I think that right mm-hmm. there was the whole was the whole race right there was Tyler Reddick and pushing Austin Dillon into the into the winner's circle. Yep, yep. He also um, was it Tyler Reddick or was it uh, Austin Dillon that kind of uh, uh, did what he did to uh, Austin Sindrick? I know Sindrick said he understood it was one of those racing deals. Uh, <laughs> some drivers might have been pretty ticked off with that. Yeah, but you know what? All, all in all, you know, like you know, like you know, I mean, you you, you kind of felt bad for Martin Truex, but you had to. It, you do feel bad for Truex, or do you feel bad for Blaney? One of the two. Blaney was ahead of the point. Yeah, you, yet, you were going to feel bad for he, one of them. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I I would have felt more bad for Blaney because Blaney Blaney got the the 
got the, in the first wreck, but that car was junk, and they fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that thing was junk. And Truex, you know, got to do it after. So, so it's kind of a good storyline when you think about it. Two drivers fighting for that last spot, and they both wreck. You know what, but yeah. whose who's team, I mean, Blaney's team, Penske team, really stepped up and fixed the car enough to where he was able, you know, to, to get in by three points. But, um, yeah. you know, um, and, and especially with all winners. the rumors. 16, really. Yeah, and 16 different winners, and especially with all the all the rumors, you know, and the, and the conspiracy theorists, you know, about, you know, um, mm-hmm. Kirk was dropping out so Truex can get in that, you know, TRD told him to do that. that. that you know, and all that went out the, the door. <laughs> yep. That went right yep. out the door because um, Laney did what he had to do. But I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. It with, was an uh, exciting race. Was, oh, exciting, exciting is an understatement. Let's go so ahead anyways, and cover uh, the points before we run out of yeah. time here. Yeah, so the the way it ended up was um, the regular points was um, – Chase Elliott, of course, is the um, is the uh, is regular season champion. Joy Logano in second, Ross Chastain in third, Kyle Larson in fourth, William Byron fifth, Danny Hamlin sixth, Ryan Blaney seventh, Tyler Reddick eighth, Kevin Har- Kevin Harvick with his two wins, ninth, um, Christopher Bell in tenth, Kyle Busch eleventh, Chase Briscoe twelfth, Daniel Suarez. Gosh, look at this name. Austin Cedric, 14th, Alex Bowman, 15th, and Austin Dillon was the 16th. So then when we, when we reset the points to where they're supposed to be, to where we're going to start next week. Yeah, cover their wins. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll get the wins. Let me get to that. I just had that page up right now. Okay, so now here we go. We got uh, – oh, I didn't get the win share. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, here we go. Okay, so now 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 we go into the into the playoffs points. Playoff points is Chase Elliott with four wins, nine hundred thirty nine points. Joey Logano second with two wins, eight hundred nine points. Kyle Larson with two wins, seven hundred eighty nine points. Ross Chastain with two wins, seven hundred sixty five points. And and everybody says he will not make it to Phoenix. We will see. That's going to be exciting we'll too. <laughs> Kyle Bush Kyle Bush came flat out and said he is not he will he will not make it to Phoenix. And then you got Kevin Harvick in fifth with his two wins of 710. William Byron sixth with two wins, 667 points. Tyler Reddick in seventh with 64 points, or uh, two wins, 641 points. Danny Hamlin eighth, two wins, 611 points. Um, here we go. Christopher Bell in ninth with 734 points. Oh, with the one win because we're going by the wins now. Kyle Busch with one win. Right. Alex Bowman with one win, Daniel Swartz with one win, Austin Sudik with one win, Chase Briscoe with one win, Austin Dillon with one win, and Ryan Blaney made it in on on points. So and Martin Truex missed it by three points, and uh, Kirk Bush withdrew his waiver request, and um, so there there we have it. There is our top 16. Good luck to all of them. Don't ask me who's gonna make it to the next round because after what I've seen in, in Daytona. <laughs> Noel Gregson could make it. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. Even though we had 15 different winners uh, with the with the Kyle Busch or Kurt Busch withdrawing, uh, it took him out of the playoffs. But uh, uh, Ryan Blaney, it also opened the door for Ryan Blaney to make it in. 
because without uh, Kurt Busch being in that top 16, uh, Ryan Blaney would not have made it either. And for the first time, I think in a long time, we would have seen 16 different winners going into uh, the playoffs. Uh, and I think that that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that Martin didn't make it. I'm happy for Ryan Blaney, and I can't wait for uh, the playoffs to begin to see how this does play out. I think it's going to be well, you know, an exciting playoff. Exactly. You know, and, 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 you know, when you go back and look at where they reset the point, they actually they moved Ryan Blaney up in the seventh with 2013 points at 13 playoff points. But, man, Chase Elliott, 40, 40 playoff points. Five stage wins. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. He is, he's locked in all, all the way to Phoenix. <laughs> it yep. seems like. I mean, we've we seen Martin Truex do it. He just, he just he has basically rode the wave of, of good finishes and, you know, and, and got into the playoffs and won the championship and stuff. Yeah. You know, on, on the, the backboard of all those playoff points. Yeah. Amazing season. So amazing uh, season. are you going to be at the uh, racetrack this week? No, this weekend we're we're taking off for the for uh, uh, Labor Day weekend because then I have a three week stretch from there. Three week. Um, let me see. What are we? September, October. So I got three weeks, four weeks. I don't know. I got like a five five week stretch. After Which that, reminds me, we're gonna we're gonna have a Tuesday night show next week. Right. Okay. I don't know. Okay, yeah, because uh, Labor Day I, I, on Monday, we'll have yeah, to no, do the show on Tuesday. Yeah, oh, you still might be out of town. I got you. Okay, yeah, yeah, well, okay, we'll, I'm, I'm, keep me posted. I'll, I'll, I'll know by tomorrow. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll know by oh. tomorrow. Okay, thanks, yeah, Sal. By tomorrow, we'll have and a lot thanks, of thanks for being on the show, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week, or hopefully right, next week. Oh, yeah, be safe right. yeah. this so, weekend. Oh yeah, everybody. Oh yeah, everybody, be safe out there. Don't drink and drive. You know what? Um, and hopefully we'll we'll talk to everybody. If not next week, the following week. But um, enjoy your time with your families and um, and uh, and be safe. Okay. Good night. Good night, Sal. All right, we are at the top of the hour. One minute past, and it is time for our NASCAR hot topic sound off. And joining me for tonight's show is, uh, first of all, we have Jay Huseman here. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, appreciate it. Excited about tonight, as we knew we would be. Daytona was excited going in, and it's exciting coming out, as we're now ready for the playoffs. I heard you guys talking about the playoffs already. <laughs> yes, it's pretty exciting, and uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. Also joining us for tonight's uh, NASCAR Hot Topics is uh, Michael Orzel. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, good evening, everybody. All right. Uh, and I believe, uh, let me just double check and make sure I don't have any messages here. I believe also joining us for tonight's show uh, is uh, Brian Everly. So uh, I don't see him here yet, but hopefully he'll be joining us uh, very shortly. And uh, we'll look forward to having him on the show to talk about hot topics here tonight as well. So uh, uh, let's go ahead and get started, though. Uh, Jay, why don't you take the first hot topic tonight? 
Well, I, I don't know where to start. Obviously, it all revolves around Daytona. I think that could be broken into five to ten different hot topics. Um, wh- I guess I'll kind of ask where, you, where we want to start with it, because like I said, to me, I see several different aspects. First, just the race itself and how it came out um, with the playoffs. Okay. So let's start with that, Mike, the race itself and how it turned out. Well, I I guess if we're going to debate whether it should stay the cutoff race or not, we can move that to a separate hot topic. But as far as the race itself, to be honest, I was really disappointed in the racing this weekend at Daytona. Um, The Xfinity Series race, NASCAR can't really control the weather, so I can't fault NASCAR for the rain delays that they had for both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series race. They got the Xfinity Series race in as scheduled on Friday night, not starting on schedule, but at least it raced on the same day. Uh, The Cup Series race, unfortunately, they weren't able to get done on Saturday night, so I had to run it Sunday morning. Like I said, I can't necessarily fault NASCAR for the weather. Uh, The weather in South Florida in the middle of August to late August is what it is. It's a known quantity, and maybe that can roll into our should Daytona stay the cutoff discussion. But as far as the weather delays and whatnot, I can't fault them for that. The racing as a whole, though, there's a certain level of chaos that we expect and kind of almost want to see at these races, but I think we went way over that. Uh, The Xfinity Series race, the first couple stages were pretty decent. Uh, We had some pretty decent racing, not a lot of the single file along the top kind of stuff that that some of these super speedway races can devolve into, but then probably the last 25% of the race or so, you know, the back half of stage three really turned into just a wreck fest, and you just saw dumb move after dumb move, And it's not even guys who are racing hard and and things happening. Just completely ill-advised, dumb moves that took out many, many good cars for nothing other than guys just driving without using the thing between their ears. And then the Cup Series race was was similar. You had some decent racing at the beginning, but then I don't want to fault NASCAR too much for the officiating decision. I know it's been a big discussion on social media for the past day or so, whether they should have called the caution sooner or – if it was kind of out of their hands. And the, the long story short, however you want to look at it, three-quarters of the field wrecked because NASCAR sent them into turn one green, and it was raining pretty hard in turn one. And the only upshot of that is they were able to get the race started. So big thumbs up and kudos to NASCAR for, for sticking with it, getting the track dried, and getting the race again because – If it had ended like that, that would have been a huge black eye. So at least they were able to get the race restarted, but the damage had kind of been done, literally and figuratively. There were two really competitive cars that were left in the entire race, the two and the three. Those were the only two cars left that weren't either destroyed by damage or were slow cars to begin with and were really not competitive at all. And the last 20 laps of the race could have been phenomenal if they had gotten the the, the caution out and saved the competitive cars from being destroyed in that crash. That last 20 lap sprint could have been great. But as it was, it, it wasn't. We didn't, we had two competitive cars and it still came down to the second place guy putting the bumper to the leader and shoving him out of the way and about wrecking him. And that's what that race came down to. So not a huge fan of how the race has played out this weekend. And I, I'm not sure what the fix is aside from moving it away from Daytona. We can talk about that later. 
But overall, I, I, I got to give this weekend a thumbs down. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit surprised because I think we've known um, that from the day that they put out the schedule that this was not going to be your typical season finale for NASCAR. Uh, and I, the, and especially considering what we've been talking about that's been happening within NASCAR and the uh, doing whatever you have to do to get a win, uh, this is the kind of racing that we've been seeing, uh, especially at, at Daytona. So I, I think we got what we expected. I wasn't as disappointed in the race itself, and that's primarily because originally it looked like I was not going to be able to see it if it was going to be on Saturday night. Um, and then it got postponed to Sunday morning, and unfortunately I, I, I wasn't going to be able to see it Sunday morning either. And by the time I got home on Sunday and some of the race uh, still hadn't taken place, uh, I was kind of happy that I got a chance to see the race. So I think I was uh, just more happy that I was I got a chance to actually see what happened. Um, but we've seen this uh, at some of the road courses this year. Uh, we've seen it at uh, Super Speedways forever. I don't think it's a big surprise. Uh, and we knew that it was going to be a wild card race, the last race of the regular season. Um, so I don't know who we blame for the racing on the track other than the drivers themselves, um, because they are the ones that, um, make those decisions when it comes down to what happens on the track. So I don't know how you fix that. And we've had extensive conversations about it, um, about, uh, you know, the attitude that the drivers have about racing now. Um, and I, I just don't know where to go with that. But I, I do think uh, that NASCAR got exactly what they wanted to get uh, from having this race be the last race of the regular season. It created a lot of drama. It created uh, a, a lot of people wanting to tune in to see what exactly was going to happen. And I think despite the rain delays, um, I haven't seen the numbers yet, but I think a lot of people did tune in. Um, we'll, we'll have to see how it how that uh, figure comes out. But uh, uh, I I don't think I was as disappointed. Uh, and I'll talk about um, what my idea is in the next discussion on this. But the race itself, of course, I was disappointed that uh, Martin Truex Jr. did not. Uh, make it into the playoffs. Uh, I would have been disappointed if Ryan Blaney didn't make it, though, too. Um, I'm happy for Ryan Blaney. I'm glad it worked out for him. Uh, I think it's amazing, uh, and that's what this playoff system has done, that, it, you know, Austin Dillon can win the Daytona at Daytona and make it into the playoffs. We'll see how far uh, into the rounds. Um, but it's, all, it's equally amazing that there was a chance that a second or third place driver and a sixth place driver um, were on the line for not making the playoffs. And it ended up being Martin Truex Jr. Uh, that didn't make the playoffs, even though uh, he had a higher ranking in the series point standings. Uh, again, 
that's what NASCAR's created, and they got what they wanted. They got all the drama that they wanted, and um, uh, we'll see how it goes from there. But, Jay, I'm really curious to see what you have to say. Well, I'm not sure where Mike wants to pull in the uh, the whole sports entertainment. Uh, I think we'll, we'll put that in with the uh, should they move the playoff, move it as a playoff or a cutoff race. The race itself, it was Daytona. I mean, super speedway racing has been super speedway racing since they invented super speedway racing. So I don't see where this one was any different than anything we've seen at any super speedway race. Yes, it was the playoff cutoff race. That may have amped it up a little bit, but I'm not even sure you can say that that specifically did because a lot of the situations weren't necessarily by those um, individuals who who were in that position. Um, I got to say, when I look at it, and, and I go from a different perspective, and Sharon, you, you hit it. I mean, the drivers, they aren't rec- – it's not mandated they go three wide. It's not mandated they block each other. It's not they have a drive or a steering wheel, a gas pedal, a brake pedal, and supposedly, even though you put a helmet on, a brain inside their head. You hear drivers say, We don't like this and we blocking shouldn't happen and this and that, but they all do it. That is their choice. When we look back at what happened at the Indianapolis road course. Where did the fault go there? That wasn't blamed on the track or the style of racing or the road course or that particular corner. It was put on the drivers. Why at, why at super speedways is it not put on the drivers? I understand that it's at a higher speed and, and reaction times and decisions you know, are, are much more crucial. And I don't know, Mike, if you can specify of the, your slower cars, as you will, of – I'll even go 10 miles an hour, 5 to 10 miles an hour slower, if that's the case. I don't think it is that bad. But those drivers managed to survive. There is skill in that. I mean, we've seen it. Dale Earnhardt Jr., if there's no skill in it, how come Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Dale Earnhardt were so good at restrictor plate or super speedway racing? Yes, there is the chance of the wreck of something happening outside your control. A piece breaking on your car is the same thing, though. That's outside the driver's control. The fastest car, the best driver, doesn't always win the race. But I looked at it, your drivers that some people, uh, especially on social media, want to say have no talent and the team has no business being out there because they don't have a fast car, they all survived and got top 10 finishes. B.J. McLeod, Noah Gregson in the Beard Motorsports, and who is the third one in the... Spire Motorsports car this weekend. And Spire Motorsports has a super speedway win with Justin Haley. Um, can one of you two tell me? I can't remember who was in the Spire Motorsports car this weekend. Was that J.J. Yeah, no, it wasn't J.J. Yaley. Anyway, going going back to continue, uh, Sharon's going to look it up. Thank you. Um, I think that is, they know that's their one and only car. They can't afford the Landing $4 Castle. million dollars that there we go, Landon Castle. Thank you. Uh, I knew it was Inspire, but so how is it that they have the talent and skill to not wreck? And I know Mike, you responded with they were that slow there behind the field. We've seen the fastest cars. Dale Jarrett, I think, was the first one I remember. Right at the back. Denny Hamlin, right at the back. Stay out of the wrecks. That doesn't work. 
it's you can't avoid it if it's going to happen. Um, your chances increase, maybe. But if if drivers like, and I'm going to, yes, this is directly at Mike, so I'm going to start with Noah Gregson. A no-talent driver and a team that only runs those particular races in a full four-car operation can get through it. Why can't our top best drivers in the world do so? Because they get over-aggressive, don't use their head, don't use their I don't want to say brake because braking at that speed is probably not the best. Let off the gas, not bump at the incorrect time, not block at the wrong time. I, to me, it's on the drivers. Okay, Mike, your response. Oh, by I the guess way, Brian's not here yet. It would be on, his turn. Real quick. Yeah, real quick. Let me uh, just say, Brian is not going to be here. He had the power go out. And uh, his phone was at 1%. He was hoping to plug it in, but with no power, he can't even do that. So, uh, unfortunately, Brian's not going to make it. So, go ahead, Mike. Sure. Uh, I just want to make sure I didn't didn't step on Brian as he was able to get out on the call. Anyway, um, to address Jay's points, I know you threw a lot out there. Specifically with yesterday, being in the back was an advantage because you could see the whole field sail into turn one, lose traction, and crash. And that's the way Martin Truex said he got out of it, as he saw everyone in front of him crashing, and he just stood on the brake pedal. Same thing for Austin Dillon, stood on the brake pedal, and everyone who was behind the crash saw everything that was going on. And, well, they were slow to begin with, but they stood on the brakes as well. So it happened to be that they, they were in the position in the back of the field this time where they were able to see the wreck in front of them get slowed down enough that they, were, they didn't lose traction when they went into that wet turn one. You're right. Riding in the back isn't always the recipe for avoiding the wreck. And there's plenty of guys, and you laid them out there, who went to the back and still wrecked their car. But that doesn't change the fact that the place to be during that one particular rain-induced crash going into turn one yesterday was behind the crash when you could see what was happening and get slowed down enough that you wouldn't lose traction like the leaders did and get taken out. And those are the cars that survived the crash, were the ones that were – not in the front pack going into turn one, and we're able to get their car slowed down in time. So you're right in that that's not always the right strategy, but that's what ended up working out yesterday. With regard to the racing itself, I know you said you want to save the discussion for later, but it's hard to avoid it where Sharon's exactly right. NASCAR got what they wanted. The question is, what do they want? Do they want – it's like NASCAR has this identity crisis going on right now. On one hand, they want to be an elite, top-level, premier racing series featuring the very best drivers in the world, racing the very best equipment within their given discipline, and doing it at an extremely high professional level. But on the other hand, but they're not doing they want that. to be the sport – well, that's the thing. That's the other hand. The other hand is they want to be the sports entertainment industry that's driven by drama and storylines and carnage and chaos and everything that's outside of the driver's control. And, yeah, there's some, some degree of what's in, in a driver's control, and there's no real hard definition of what's sports entertainment versus legitimate sports. But there's that sliding scale of – the more something is in the control of the participants, the more it's a legitimate contest in sport. 
versus the more things that are taken out of their control and are the result of either a predetermined outcome like WWE. I'm not putting on enough tinfoil to say that NASCAR is a predetermined outcome or scripted results or anything like that. But WWE is unapologetically sports entertainment. And the big part of that is the outcomes are more or less predetermined based on the script and the storylines. And NASCAR doesn't have that, but there seems to be this growing sense at, it's been that restricted plate or super speedway races for a while, that there's a huge amount of luck that's involved in it. Yes, you're right. There are certain drivers, certain teams that tend to do better than others there. And it's hard to deny that it takes at least some amount of skill in order to be that guy who regularly survives. But every single driver, including the successful ones, say that it takes a certain degree, a large certain degree of luck to survive through the first 80 90% of the race to still be there at the end. And when you have to rely that much on luck without having to rely on bringing the fastest race car, having the best strategy, et cetera, that really kind of leans into being a sports entertainment primary driver versus being a legitimate racing series sport. So that's kind of my contention of what does NASCAR want out of this? Do they want to be a legitimate sport where they're building a car to take to the 24-hour Le Mans and be taken seriously there? Or do they want to be WWE? There's a lot of money in both of them, and there's a lot of prestige in both of them, but they are two very different things, and you can't be both at once, and that's my concern. I don't know, Mike. I, I I am just trying to figure out how this Daytona race is any different than any other Daytona race we've ever watched. It's always been that way at Daytona. So when I say that NASCAR got what they wanted, they know what the racing at Daytona has always been, and that's why it's called a wild card race. So I don't think that different uh, that happened at this race that happened at any other Daytona race. The only thing that's different is it's the last race of the regular season. I know we're going to talk about this in a couple of minutes, um, but that's the only thing that's different. The other thing that kind of goes into this, and it starts with the Daytona 500 uh, in February, is everybody is trying to win the race to get into the playoffs. The difference here is that this is the very last chance that those drivers have uh, to get into the playoffs. So the degree of intensity is going to be a little bit higher. Um, But uh, NASCAR knew that coming into this. That's why they put it where they put it on the schedule. it's not a surprise to me that it played out the way that it played out. So I, I guess that's why I'm surprised that you're surprised that it would be any anything else other than what it was. Um, I I just I, I I just am struggling with that a little bit. NASCAR the races at Daytona have always been this way. The only people that influence what happens on that track are the drivers. If when the drivers get so intense about whether or not they're going to win or whether or not they're going to be in the right position uh, to make it into the playoffs, intensity rises. That's when human beings that they are are going to make mistakes. 
and that's when things happen on the track. There's nothing new there. (laughs) Absolutely nothing new there. So it's the same Daytona races we've been seeing for a long time. So I, 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 when I say they got what they wanted, they got the typical Daytona races that we see at Daytona. <laughs> so, Jay, I don't know what more to add there. Well, I'm going to try and follow up on that. Uh, there's a couple of things here. First off, I'm happy for those who got to watch the race. Uh, I forgot to mention mm-hmm. that. From my understanding, CNBC was going away, and that's why they went to USAA. My cable company doesn't uh, carry it anymore, so I did not get to watch the race. So I am a little frustrated oh, and upset no. with that, but yeah, uh, you know, it, things happen. It's the way it is. Uh, I was frustrated with that, but going back to Daytona, and I think this was in in the chat between Mike and I. Um, you saying the wild card shouldn't count, shouldn't be the last race? That means you got to take away the Daytona 500. That's no different. Sharon kind of alluded to that. Take away the two Talladega races. Oh, if you win that race, it don't count as a win to the playoffs. No. Does it amp it up no matter where it is? We've seen some battles at Richmond. I think Casey Kane, Jeremy Mayfield, uh, Jeff Gordon, Clint Boyer, and whoever else was involved in that. It don't matter where you put that final playoff race. That's the last-ditch effort. In this one, yes, to add entertainment value to the racing They have put it on a wild card such as Daytona, okay? But that is not making it sports entertainment, that they are dictating the outcome. They are opening it up. I think about the NBA. When they added the three-point line, now you have a chance to get three points instead of two, okay? The NFL, instead of kicking an extra point, you can go for the two-point conversion. That is not dictating who wins the game. That is giving an option to the teams, a strategy, Yes, there is strategy at Daytona. Some work, some don't. And we all know it. I mean, Daytona involves more luck, if you will, than any other race, I think. But I think about Dover. There's a a one-story elevation drop in that track. Drivers have to learn how to to do it. They add the chicane to um, a road course or, or whatever, change the way the road course is. That just changes the way the drivers have to run that track. That's not them trying to dictate who wins the race. It's adding entertainment to it. That doesn't make it sports entertainment. And, Mike, I think I said that of sports entertainment is you are dictating it is scripted who's going to win, how it's going to go, when things are going to happen. That is WWE, professional wrestling. That is scripted. That is predetermined. This is not. They are adding entertainment and drama, if you will, which case some of that drama, though, uh, I think is put on by the media, especially when it comes to they're still <laughs> trying to make something between Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson, who had a, they're done with it. The media is still trying to make something out of it. That's where your drama and stuff comes from. That's not from NASCAR. Um, I think the only other point there was that, yeah, like I said, of it doesn't matter where, where you go, what the track is. There's elements to that particular track. Daytona's may be exemplified a little bit, especially again with the high speed, your reaction time obviously less versus trying to make a decision at Martinsville. There too, Martinsville. Somebody spins out at Martinsville, it blocks the track. I mean, pick your track. I, I can go into it. So I overall, I was, and this is more from my perspective, a little disappointed with the drivers. 
Oh, going back to that, uh, from what I've seen, again, didn't get to watch the race, heard it on the radio and social media and everything, I think NASCAR will admit maybe they should have called the one uh, or put a stop to the race before one the incident. I think that involved Chris Busher. I know was one Denny Hamlin very vocal about. Um, I haven't heard anything today from NASCAR as far as if they admit it, but there again, they're in a box. I mean, they can't win for losing. If they call the race or stop the race and it's not raining, fans are going to scream. Why are you stopping the race? It's not raining. I, I just, they're in such a box of they can't win. Um, in this case, for safety reasons, it does appear maybe they should have. I don't know how quick that storm or wall came up, how quickly it dumped versus a drizzle and then picked up that they had the opportunity to say, hey, the track getting wet and slick. If it came and dumped immediately, it got slick that fast. I don't know. Um, but I think that is one they will learn from. And, Sharon, it's oh, probably okay. coming up on close to time, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's that time of the night. Uh, for those people who are tuning in for the first time, we always do an announcement at this time of the night uh, to let you know that we are going off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. However, we continue our conversation, and we record that part of the conversation, uh, and it is part of our uh, overtime bonus material on our podcast. So what I'll do is when we're finished here tonight, I'll go out on Twitter as well as Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to the two-hour mark and hear the rest of the conversation, whether you do it uh, when we finish here tonight or tomorrow or the next day. uh, You can go to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, again, we don't want anybody to be caught off guard or taken by surprise and not know how they can hear uh, the rest of our conversation, so we make that announcement at this time of the night. So with that, uh, Mike, I'll let you bring up the next hot topic, and I suspect I know what it is. Yeah, it kind of rolls into the discussion we just had, a real simple question. Should Daytona remain the cutoff race for the Cup Series going into the playoffs? It's not the cutoff race for the Xfinity Series, but it is for the Cup Series. Should it remain so? Okay, Um, Jay, your thoughts about that? I don't don't see the need to have to change it. It's one of those I think um, could, if depending on schedule of however many year deal you want to make, give opportunity to other tracks. I do like it the fact that we exactly what we got. How many different drivers? Okay, as it came down to the end of the race, it was only one or two that really had a shot at it but the opportunity for many more drivers that last ditch effort of last chance if you will i'm used to a dirt track you have the b mains and you have the last chance qualifier that is absolutely your last does that make it a hooligan race as some will call it kind of sort of but it opens that door and i think it provides more fans to tune in which is what nascar's goal is so I think it is a good spot to have it. Uh, I know based on weather that, you know, that could come into play of, of how you want to look at that. But then again, when do you pick Daytona to go to or any in the southeast that have that pop-up rain showers can happen at any point? You know, when it was at Richmond, I was okay with that. The Indianapolis, I thought that was an okay one. But I don't think you have as many drivers that we think of possibility winning of the the race those particular we know daytona 
Talladega or super speedways, that door is a bigger door or window for teams. And I personally do like it. Um, but I wouldn't be upset either if they had it in another spot. I always thought it was great at Richmond. I enjoyed it with the Brickyard. Um, so no matter where you put it, it the, the result's going to be the same. Those that need to get in are going to probably be a little more aggressive um, and put a little more focus and emphasis on it. I like the fact that that window is bigger for more drivers. Um, you know, like I said, here at the end of this one, I, I guess Austin Dillon was the only one that was at the at the end yeah. in position to be that one. But uh, throughout the race, prior to some destruction, that was uh, there were some others. You know, Eric Almarola, I know, was running good at at one point. Eric Jones was up there. Bubba Wallace, uh, that was kind of the one I was pulling for and watching. So I I like it. Well, and I think that's part of what NASCAR was looking for as well. Is that? Whoops, I'm. Yeah, it is my turn. <laughs> for a second, I thought I jumped the gun there. I do think that's part of what NASCAR was looking for is to give Daytona is one of those races where anybody can win the race. And I think NASCAR wanted to give that chance uh, to anyone within the field to have that chance to win the race and get into the playoffs. Uh, And they did that in the Xfinity series, as well as the um, uh, cup series. And, I thought about this question throughout the day, and I was thinking, well, if if they were to change it, well, before I get into that, one thing I like about it is they start at Daytona to start off the season. They end the regular season at Daytona. Uh, it's not like it's the uh, finale for the season for the whole year, but it is the end of the regular season. So I kind of like the idea that they start and end at Daytona. Um, but I thought if they were to change it for the reasons that you're talking about, and Jay is right, by the way, it doesn't really change anything. It's still giving uh, other drivers that chance to make it into the playoffs, uh, whether they've been a contender all year or not. It gives another chance to a driver um, to get that exposure and visibility for their race team. Uh, and that's that they got what they wanted with that. <clears throat> with um, uh, the the other thought that I had uh, is if they were to move it, uh, what if they did it and say uh, one or two races before the end of the season? Would that really change how they race? Probably not. <laughs> um, would that? Um, uh, not make the wild card be the elimination race where a driver is eliminated. That's the only thing it actually accomplishes uh, is is you still get that wild card winner, but now you the driver still has one or two more races that they can still maybe qualify in uh, if they're kind of hanging on a thread uh, or you know not sure whether Ryan Blaney or Martin Jurex was going to make it in. And even throughout the race, at some points, Martin Truex was securely in, and Blaney was out, and then it totally reversed itself. So <clears throat> I don't know. I I, I kind of like it where it is because it does create that drama. It does create that excitement. Uh, we start at Daytona, we end at Daytona, and then we go into the playoffs. So I think from that point of view, I think NASCAR kind of hit a home run with it. Uh, being the season finale, um, 
but if they changed it, I'm not going. It's not going to bend me out of shape either. So I I could probably argue both sides of this one, but I kind of like it where it is. So Mike, I'm I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. So I'm sure you guys probably can figure out where I'm going with this one. My my short answer on yeah. this is no. Daytona should not remain the the regular season finale. And there's really there's two reasons on this. First of all is the weather. NASCAR doesn't control the weather, but they do control their schedule. And I grew up in Florida. I grew up about two hours south of Daytona. So I've, I love Daytona. I, I, it is a very special place. Sharon, you talked about it a while ago about how when you walk into an Indianapolis, you get that feeling mm-hmm. of this place is special. It's the same thing at Daytona. So nothing against Daytona. The facility is amazing. The racing there is entertaining. Um, but this time of year, uh, having grown up in Florida, I could set my watch by the rain this time of year. Three o'clock in the afternoon until man, about an hour after sunset, it's going to rain on and off every day, every day. And that's just how it goes in Florida this time of year. So, unfortunately, NASCAR can't control the weather, but they're the ones who put Daytona at this point in the schedule this time of year. And the way the system is set up where you've got the last 10 races of the season are going to be the playoffs. The season starts in February and ends in November. There's really not a lot of wiggle room there for where that 26th race, that light regular season finale is going to fall. It's going to be somewhere towards the middle to end of August. That's just how the schedule is going to line up based on the number of races in the the overall schedule for the year. So your regular season finale is going to be around this time of year, regardless of where you put it. And unfortunately, the weather in South Florida this time of year is not super conducive to doing something like that. And my my other beef with it is, Super speedway racing in general is, I like to, to make the analogy, it's like junk food. If I, if I eat a bag of potato chips and a Snickers bar for dinner, I'm fed, I'm full, it tasted good, but I'm not going to tell myself any lies that I had any kind of a legitimate, nutritious meal that benefited my health. And that's kind of how I feel about super speedway racing as well. It's the junk food of racing. It's, it's entertaining. It's fun to watch. Um, But is it legitimate racing? That's a harder discussion to have. And we we already had that discussion. We don't need to go retread that. And the other piece of it kind of falls into a discussion we had a couple weeks ago, and I think Jay just just posted that topic again of should they change the win and you're in format. And I think that's part of the reason that leads to the dumb driving that we were talking about in in the previous topic where several drivers, Joey Logano, uh, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, a lot of the other drivers have said the format is why we feel like we have to race like this. We have to be hyper-aggressive. We have to make these dumb moves because the payoff is a potential playoff race. Maybe it ends up with a car on the hook, but if it works out, well, I, maybe I'm in the playoffs. And it, it's because of that format that leads to some of the aggressive and ill-advised moves that we see on the racetrack from the drivers. And you just amplify that by putting it as super speedway that everyone rolls in there with this feeling, that, I mean, I can win this thing. And they're not necessarily wrong. We've seen historically your, your potential winners, that, that number of potential winners goes way up at the super speedway races because there's that equalization factor of how the racing is conducted. But that winning your in format creates the environment where you're going to make those really bad blocks because if a guy gets around you, 
that is potentially your season going away right there. If he gets around you and wins the race and you're out of the playoffs. Um, so if we were to change the format and maybe relax that win and you're in, kind of like we were talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago where you have some more dedicated spots in the playoffs that will be awarded to high point finishing drivers versus just drivers who happen to win a race, that may help temper some of the stupid moves that we see these drivers make that result in these big wrecks, especially at places like Daytona and Talladega where they feel like it's their one shot to win the race and make the playoffs. So they make these extra stupid moves at their one shot kind of a race at Daytona, Talladega and Atlanta. And I think that all ties into having that pressure of this is the last opportunity. And that last opportunity is at a place like Daytona where you have a, broader chance of winning the race, I think all that ties together and it creates the kind of chaos that we saw yesterday. And it can create some fun and entertaining racing, but yesterday was the downside of it where it went probably too far to the point that hurt the overall racing product, especially by the end of the race where there wasn't anybody left. Jay. I I disagree. I think you're going to get that with – with the win and you're in format, but even that, I think back to uh, the first televised race it was uh, what was it, 1979, uh, Daytona. I mean, the blocking and going for it at Daytona or any super speedway has been around long before this win and you're in format. And I was putting that up for a separate discussion. I've seen some uh, social media issue or questions about that so i'll do that one as a separate one if we get to it but that does add to it you can't deny that and i'm with you mike i agree that's why we only have four super speedways on the schedule per year and i think that's plenty i don't see why they tried to make atlanta such because of that uh so i disagree with that i think the four we have are good two daytona races two daladega races and now if you want to consider Atlanta, which I still don't, but again, that is defined by definition. Um, But it has some of the attributes. The action, no matter what race it is, like I said, I go back to to Jeremy Mayfield, Casey Kane, uh, uh, the Clint Boyer situation, that was at Richmond. It's you've got to do it here and now, no matter what it takes. And they made a bad decision as to what decision they were going to make because of it to try and make it happen. That's going to happen no matter what track you're at. Doesn't matter. So, I I see NASCAR wanting to again their their goal is to put eyes on the sport. This adds to that. Um, as I'm sure that's the media's defense when they want to try and stir the pot of say Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott. They're trying to draw attention and get eyes on the sport. I don't like the way they go about it, but that's my personal opinion. I support Tony Stewart. Um, well, uh, there's one other thing I wanted to – oh, going back to that, of Mike, I feel like you have this thing of the fastest car didn't win the race, the best driver didn't win the race. Uh, tell me, out of 100 races, how many times it is that the best driver in the fastest car wins the race? I mean, it. Theoretically, you'd think so, but it doesn't happen that way, and that doesn't make it scripted or sports entertainment. It, that's part of it. Yeah, I have to agree. And as far as the weather, I've been to a lot of Daytona races. I've been in February. I've been in July. I've been, uh, I haven't been in August, but I've watched it on TV in August. 
And I got to tell you, I went to a race in July, uh, and it, it wasn't the only race in July that was like this. We called it the Precipitation 400. I stood at that track all day long waiting for a race to happen, and it didn't happen until late at night. We didn't get home until 3 or 4, 3 o'clock in the morning. So it's, uh, I don't think you can pick a date at Daytona that you're not going to run into rain at some point. Um, and it, it can delay the race. And I think people have come to expect it's going to, it's going to be a delay in the race at Daytona. We've watched a lot of Daytona races on Monday because of that. Uh, so I don't think it really matters when the race at Daytona happens. We're going to run into rain. Um, so that to me is, is kind of a mute point. Um, I, I, as far as, um, I don't know, should it be moved? Should, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think that NASCAR is going to, uh, at some point they'll probably move it to a different location and they'll put a different race there. But for right now, I think it's doing exactly what they want and I don't think they need to move it. So that's kind of the long and the short of it. Uh, I, I tend to, um, think that uh, this is the way racing has been at Daytona for a long, long time. And NASCAR knows that, and that that's what they expected to happen, and they expect the new winners to get in. I'm not really saying anything new here, so I'm, I guess I'm just going to go on. But uh, I, I think it is the way it is, um, and and uh, it, I don't think it's any different than what it has been. So... <clears throat> Mike, you get the final wrap-up here. Sure. And, and Jay's right when he says that the fastest car doesn't necessarily always win the race. You're, you're absolutely right. But at most other tracks, take Martinsville, for example. Martinsville, I feel, is an outstanding cutoff race. It's the cutoff race for the final four that will be decided Phoenix for the championship. I think Martinsville is a great race because it has more of a balance between the chaotic out of control element where you're right. There can be a wreck at Martinsville that blocks the track and causes chaos, but it's a lot less common than the big one at Daytona where that's almost expected to happen at least once, if not multiple times at Daytona versus if it happens at Martinsville, it's nowhere near as common. Uh, Martinsville is a much better balance, in my opinion, between driver skill and strategy versus just all out luck and ill-advised moves because Martinsville takes more – I've never driven Martinsville, so this is, you know, opinion from watching, but it seems like it takes much more skill and finesse to be successful at Martinsville. And at Martinsville does not reward the overly aggressive, dumb moves like Daytona can. Um, yes, you can see, especially uh, if it's a second-place driver like Alex Bowman versus Denny Hamlin there, where you're going to see the second-place car put the bumper to the leader and, and get by. but you don't see the kind of go for broke moves at a place like Martinsville, like you do at Daytona. So I think it's a much better balance. And it's the same reason that we saw the cutoff race for the second round of the playoffs move away from Talladega, where it was creating this go for broke atmosphere of, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to put it better into words here. It creates a go for broke atmosphere where drivers are even more pressured to take these ill-advised moves because they're put in a position where they feel like they're backed up against the wall. And you're right. 
We have 26 races in the regular season, and to a certain extent, you can put them in any order, and you, ha- you still have those same 26 opportunities to win. But kind of that psychological uh, position that you put a lot of these drivers in where they feel like this is my last chance. I have to do this at this racetrack this weekend or that's it. Uh, it drives them to make those ill-advised moves that result in the kind of chaos that we see at Daytona. So maybe we could back it off a week or two and give a, a better last chance race, like kind of like they did in the playoffs with moving Talladega, put a little bit of that buffer in there. Maybe that will give a little bit more um, consideration to the drivers of this isn't my last chance. Maybe I've got a good chance here, but it's not my last chance. <laughs> So I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to move. They haven't announced the schedule for 2023. But after yesterday, I'd like to see a little bit of consideration given to it. All right. Uh, Jay, do you have a quick topic we can hit here? Oh, is it up to that already? Well, we kind of alluded to it. Um, let me look and see if there were any others. I know we had several up on our – where did my list go? Um we kind of already talked about it. I think that one will be a real quick one. The win and you're in format. Does the format need to change? It seems like fans didn't like it when Kansas won on consistency. NASCAR changed it. Now they're saying, oh, Ryan Blaney, Martin Truex aren't going to get in, because, and they've been as consistent as anybody all year. They should be in. We need to change it. I, I don't get it. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? Well, I kind of touched on this earlier, but yes, I think the format can be adjusted. I don't think they need to go completely away from it and go back to the, tr- the traditional format of the season-long points championship and whoever accumulates the most points at the end of the season is the champion. I don't think they need to go all the way back to that, but I think they can balance it a little bit better where they have a certain number of slots, say 10 slots dedicated to the drivers who have won races or won the most races. So have those 10 dedicated slots for that. And then six are your top points-finishing drivers who are not in those uh, top ten winning drivers. So you have that opportunity for uh, Martin Truex, for example. I think he finished the regular season fourth in points, and he's not in the playoffs. But Austin Dillon, who was like 20th, is in. And I don't know how many people, probably not many, think that Austin Dillon has a better chance of winning the championship this year versus Martin Truex if he were to have the opportunity to do so. So it kind of balances where the season, the, the format still does reward winning. You win the, the more races you win, the better chance you have of being in that locked-in top ten. But it also can have an opportunity where consistency becomes a, a more legitimate strategy for getting into the playoffs, and you can control your destiny through consistency if race wins aren't something that you're able to pull off for whatever reason. Ryan Newman didn't win a race all the way through 2014 and very nearly won the Cup Series championship through consistency. Matt Crafton didn't win a single race in the Truck Series two years ago, and he won the championship through consistency. I'd like to see consistency become a more viable strategy where you still can control your destiny through consistency without being subject to just getting bumped out by guys who happen to win races. So Ryan Blaney, very consistent season, didn't land in victory lane, but consistent. Same thing for Martin Truex, very consistent without a win. If those guys focused on that, knowing that that would get them into the playoffs, I think that'd be beneficial overall. Okay. Um, You know, 
I think I said this before when we had this topic come up, and I'm going to kind of repeat it again. Poor NASCAR, no matter what they do, they're going to get blasted for (laughs) what they do. Um, We have to go back to why the chase, why the playoff format was put into place. People said that they wanted to see wins uh, be what gets you into the playoff. And so NASCAR created the playoff system uh, so that wins counted more. Um, They didn't like the idea of somebody who was consistent all season long but never got a win had a chance to win a championship. They wanted winners uh, to win the championship at the end of the uh, season. So NASCAR created the playoff system. Now we have the playoff system, and we've had it, what, since 2004 or thereabouts? Um, And now everybody... (laughs) It's wondering, should we value consistency more than the than the wins? I think this thing probably goes in waves. Um, I still like the idea of I'd like to see a champion who has won races throughout a season versus a champion who is just consistent throughout the season. My favorite driver uh, didn't make the playoffs this year, but that's okay. Uh, he had 26 races to do it, and the team – uh, and and then they they didn't make it happen, so they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Um, I go back to Tony Stewart saying that they don't deserve to be in the playoffs, and then he went out and won five races out of ten. Um, I think that's an exception and not the general rule, but uh, I do think um, that it makes more sense for me uh, that. Champions should be winners, uh, and that they are winning throughout the season versus not. Now, we all know, and this happens in every sport, sometimes the number one seed team doesn't always make it to the championship uh, game. Same thing happens in NASCAR. Somebody might be a number one seed driver, and he doesn't win the championship. Uh, He might have nine wins. Uh, I go back to Kevin Harvick, who did that a few years ago. He did not win the championship, and I'm glad that he didn't because there uh, started to be questions about the integrity of his wins. So I think NASCAR is in a tough situation, is the bottom line of this thing. No matter what they do, somebody's going to second-guess them and think that maybe they should be doing things differently. I think they've hit on a winning combination here, and I think that we should value wins over consistency. Um, Jay? Sharon, Sharon, I could put a puppet on my hand. I, I knew when you went to Kevin Harvick, <laughs> I knew what was coming with that, Of you were happy <laughs> about that anyway. But you made some very good points of that – it's it's the, the and I say fans um, outcry public outcry that they just want change that they won't accept what they want it and then they get it same with whether it be night races more super speedways more road courses more whatever and then they're not happy with it and they want something else you know NASCAR is in a tough boat I do like the way it is I and I recall when I first heard about uh, back then it was called I think the Chase and it was the ten race mm-hmm. total points over ten races. Um, I I really didn't understand it and think it didn't understand it and, and agree with it. Uh, I know it was Dave Moody who said, "Hey, you got to let it happen and see." 
I was happy with it. They tweaked on it. They changed it. I was happy with that. I'm good with the way it is. What Mike is saying and the, and the fans, and I think it has to do with the two drivers that are involved, their fan favorites of Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex. Coincidentally, you don't hear either one of them whining about it. They know they had their 26 shots. Martin Truex mm-hmm. said it in his post-race. Three points, you can't say that came down to Daytona. There was more than opportunities to make three passes or pick up a victory. I know him and his crew chief had a couple of discussions about strategies a couple of times that he felt cost him a race, but they knew they had their opportunities and they didn't capitalize on it. You don't hear the drivers being the ones complaining about it. It's the fans. So I think NASCAR needs to not fully be driven by the fans because they don't even know what they want. Um, but with what Mike is saying, I still, if it, under the Jay Hoosman Cup, it would be, there will be 16 drivers in. If only 10 of them have wins and six are in on points, so be it. If there is more than 16 winners, all of them can start, but we're going down to 12 after that first round. If we're eliminating four or we're eliminating eight or whatever, don't matter. Um, if you were to say there's 17 winners, all 17 of them get in, there happens to be, in this case, two that are in the top 16 in points or top 10, wherever you want to set it. We'll let them in, but they will start at the bottom with zero playoff points. Those that have the wins to get in get their five bonus playoff points and start ahead of those that did not get a win, regardless of what they had accumulated during the postseason. They didn't get a win. They don't start with any playoff points. That's the only way I would accept that exception to add in. And I'm okay with it being above 16, Um, you know, like I said. And and Dave Moody and I have gotten into that. If there are 17 winners, (laughs) I say let 17 of them run the playoffs. He doesn't agree with that, but that's okay. I don't agree with Mike. That's okay. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, Mike. So I really like the format of the playoffs. Once the playoffs start, I really like the format. Three races the best or we eliminate four after each round and co- not so coincidentally it's almost the exact same construct as what i'm talking about in uh, uh, for the regular season where you have at least one position is guaranteed to advance on points because there's only three races in each round and no no fewer than four advanced to phoenix at least one person advances uh, exclusively on points and i really like that feature of the current knockout playoff format And that means that you could finish second in every single race in the playoffs up to Phoenix, and you still make it to Phoenix because of consistency. You're going to advance. You can finish second in 26 races in the current regular season format and theoretically not advance because there's more winners than playoff spots available. And I think that's an area for improvement. Whether we do, like Jay says, and we expand the playoffs to all winners and maybe a certain select number, you know, top five, top ten in points, whatever, that's an option. Or reduce the number of guaranteed winner slots, so we're still at 16, but there's a reserved number of points, uh, position slots available. That's another option as well. I think there's room for improvement there. NASCAR's been open to making improvements. We didn't have the regular season points format with the playoff points that carry on through until well after the playoff system was established. And that came in because fans were saying we want to see consistency and performance in the regular season matter even after the driver gets that first one to qualify for the playoffs. And I think it's been very successful in that it has forced drivers 
to still be consistent, still be good, even after they get that first win in the regular season. And I think there could be some improvements made. We don't need to scrap the system. I think the system is actually very, very good. But I think there's some improvements that can be made there to better reflect the, the, the accomplishments and skills of the drivers and reward them for not just winning races and throwing that Hail Mary pass, especially at a place like Daytona, uh, reward that consistency and also still be able to emphasize winning where winning is important. Okay. Do you know a NASCAR driver or any driver for that matter that doesn't want to win, that isn't out there going for the win every race? They're all going to be hard to win uh, every race, no matter what. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, I don't have anything to add. I like it the way it is. I hope they keep it the way it is. Um, you get the final word, Jay. Well, Mike, you actually hit on it already. It's already established there. Consistency does matter. As you said, one is guaranteed to move on in points, whether it was consistency through the regular season and they built those playoff points up. We talk about Chase Elliott. I know a few years uh, we thought Harvick would ride in, um, didn't get all the way to Phoenix, but that's where it does come in. The, the points through the playoffs. One of each round is guaranteed on points, so your consistency is rewarded and does matter. You're right, and I think it was 2017 was the first year where they had the regular season champion. Um, that that consistency is rewarded. So that's already established there. But, the and this is something I, I kind of have an issue with. Theoretically, you could win 35 races and finish second in one and not win oh. the championship. You could win the first 35 races, finish second in Phoenix, and not win the championship. So, I mean, is that right? It could happen. You know, are we going to see it? I don't think so, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I just, John Hunter Nemechek is what popped to my mind. We talked about, I know Sharon doesn't, didn't want to see it anyway, but Kevin Harvick, I mean, was winning all the way up until the final stretch of the playoffs. And we still don't know what happened, but it didn't happen. You know, John Hunter Nemechek had an engine issue and didn't have enough points. Um, built up that, that he didn't make. And I think William Byron kind of got shuffled out of one when he was in the truck series too for the same thing. So the, I think the balance is there of consistency as well as winning. Okay. We'll let that be the final hot topic here for tonight. And we'll go ahead and start our round table. Mike, why don't you kick that off? Sure, it's Mike underscore is on Twitter, Mike Double underscore O on Reddit. Looking forward to Dar- Darlington this weekend, the Southern 500. Pack a lunch. This one's always the longest, uh, and I think it's traditionally the longest race of the season, not in terms of mileage, but in terms of time. So make sure you pack a lunch and you're ready for a late one on Sunday night, but I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Hey. Well, hopefully NASCAR has it on a channel I get to watch. Uh, that'll be my last word <laughs> on anything. Um, you can follow me on uh, Facebook, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. I uh, know Mike and I don't normally get into it on on Twitter, but uh, yeah, we definitely have some exchanges. It's in fun, good natured. Uh, I'm ahead on the Mountain Dew count, so I'm happy. <laughs> okay, I'm Fan for Racing site on Twitter, and then Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including 
fanforracing.com where we have our player available uh, for the live broadcast or the podcast. And uh, we appreciate all of our listeners for taking the time to tune in to hear what we have to say. We have a lot of fun doing the show. Uh, we hope you have a lot of fun listening to the show. Um, and then, of course, to our Fan for Racing crew, Sal Sagala, Jay Huseman, and Mike Orzel, thanks for being here tonight. Uh, you guys always make it fun and interesting. We don't always agree, but uh, I think we respect each other's opinions. Uh, even if we don't always understand, uh, we still respect the opinion. So with that, um, I guess uh, we're ready to call it a night. I know the upcoming weekend, uh, we will have a show Thursday night to preview the racing at Darlington uh, coming up this weekend. And then it's Labor Day weekend, so uh, we'll have to think about uh, maybe having a show on Tuesday night. And, Jay, it sounds like uh, maybe Sal may not be available, so uh, just a heads up on that. I may be knocking on your door. Yeah, I, I heard that. I was already on, and uh, I'm going to be in Tennessee, I believe, between Tennessee and Kentucky. I will bring my laptop with. I should be able to fill in if needed um, from the hotel, so... I w- I'm aware of that, and I will keep that in mind. I know he said he'd get back to you tomorrow. Yeah, I can check with Andy, too, just in case, but uh, just a heads up on that. Um, but uh, anyway, look for us. Uh, we'll, we'll be getting that scheduled together and, and let everybody know on Thursday night how that works out for our show for next Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned for more there. And uh, with that, I think we're ready to call it a night. Uh, Always have a good time with you guys, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again on Thursday night. Take care, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.